Good evening and welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast, brought to you by the Freedom's Path Recovery Society. We are not affiliated with any 12-step fellowship, nor do we wish to propose only one solution. We understand how different solutions can greatly increase an individual's chance of survival. We hope to illuminate some of the recovery process by sharing as many human stories as we can. Why, you might ask, to show that we can and do build stable lives from a former state of chaos, desperation, and hopelessness. Our stories become our strength. Please remember that any and all opinions shared and heard are those of the individuals and not a reflection of Freedom's Path Recovery Society or any other entity. So regardless of how crappy or wonderful our opinions might be to you, they still remain opinions, nothing more. You might hear swearing adult themes and situations as well as the tragedies humans face and walk through every day. It is not suitable for children unless they are accompanied by a parent or guardian or have the explicit permission of those individuals. Tonight's guest is Michelle Robinson, and I'm saying it slowly because I have to try to impress upon everyone who's listening, all five of you, um, that I don't know her very well, but I have been thinking about her ever since I met her a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, it, it's an interesting thing. The first thing I usually do when I'm uh, talking ever is, you know, just acknowledge that the land that we're on is uh, traditional Blackfoot territory. Um, before the colonial boundaries separated all of the Blackfoot, um, you know, this area was bigger in, into the south, into mm-hmm. um, Saskatchewan, all the way up to Edmonton. And uh, then the colonial boundaries came and then the Indian Act came and it split up all the nations. Mm-hmm. And so I always try to acknowledge like Siksika, Ganai, Bagani, and then south of the border is the uh, Blackfoot or the Blackfeet Nation. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why sometimes you'll see during our powwows, we have the Canadian flag and the American flag mm-hmm. because in this area... They're acknowledging the Blackfoot mm-hmm. Confederacy, and because it's not, it doesn't stop just because it's a border. No, yeah. no, and actually, they lost a ton of land because of it, right? Like wow. Calgary is literally on Blackfoot territory, yeah. but um, you know they were um, subjugated to reserves, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then when 1877 the treaty was signed, that brought in the uh, Stony Nakoda, the Wesley Chiniki, Bears Paw Nations, and then the Sutina Nation, which mm-hmm. are my cousins. Um, so I'm Indigenous, I'm, I'm Dene, mm-hmm. and um, my Dene is Satu Dene, actually. So my mean? people are the Great Bear Lake people over in Treaty 11. So okay. my, my family's from way up north. Mm-hmm. Um, the Canadian government, they like to change your identity, your names, everything. So my Indian Act and Post status card, it mm-hmm. actually says Yellowknife Dene. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's where my so-called band is, because that was when... Um, they uh, forced my people onto different reserves, and that was the reserve that they forced my people yeah. onto. So that's the band that's on my Indian Act and Post status card, and that's how I address that as well. Uh, my spirit name, though, so like when I'm talking to Creator and I'm talking to my ancestors, my name is uh, Red Thunder Woman. Mm. And uh, you get your name in, in ceremony, and, and that's not just an Indigenous thing. So like if you uh, go to some different elders and and depending on what elder it is and what nation they're from depends on how they do their naming ceremony but ultimately it's a indigenous elder who's you know hearing from their their guides what your name is mm-hmm. what your ancestors call you 
Hmm. right and uh, mm-hmm. there's usually a bit of a story like my daughter she's a little girl who sits with grandmothers nice yeah so that that's her name and yeah. that and i've never met anyone who who doesn't go oh yeah yeah <laughs> because she is she's always in ridiculous crowds of adults and yeah. hearing adult conversations and just sitting there taking it in and just you know just being a great kid mm-hmm. and i i just i'm always shocked and amazed at that so you know i always like to do that land acknowledgement though mm-hmm. to explain you know to be grateful like we were talking before we we started here to be grateful and um if it wasn't for the blackfoot taking care of this territory mm-hmm. for thousands of years we wouldn't have clean drinking water yeah. we wouldn't have wonderful mountains and we wouldn't have water, wildlife to see like all of those things those mm-hmm. matter to me and i'm grateful um my uh, Dene people, they go all the way up and down the um, North America, all mm-hmm. the way. So Sutina is a type of Dene, actually. So that's oh, why I literally okay. call them my cousins. Yeah. And then the uh, Navajo are Dene. Okay, so down south. Yep. Okay. So, you know, we're all down, up yeah. and down the um, North America. I didn't realize Navajo was Dene. They are Dene, yeah. Okay. So, so those are my people. So I always, you know, my mom's from up north. She migrated down here, mm-hmm. so I always jokingly say to my daughter, well, you have to go to the States now. Yeah. <laughs> but she's like, no, 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 Mom, we're going to go back north. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just to, just to give you a little bit of maybe a little teaser about the States, if you go down there and you drive around the, the Navajo Nation, you are going to see some of the coolest, coolest landscapes on this planet. Yeah, but yeah, there it's gorgeous down there. I want to yeah. go down there for sure one day. I want to go see it, but I want to have contact with somebody and, yeah. and go down the right way and and do it that way. But yeah, so I always try to acknowledge uh, who I am mm-hmm. and where I come from because even though I was born in Calgary and I was raised in Alberta, my Dene lineage roots me up in Treaty 11 mm-hmm. and it's really important to acknowledge that. So, you know, seeing myself as a visitor to this area and just being grateful to the mm-hmm. Blackfoot. It's, I had a, a friend of mine, well, I should say a colleague of mine and somebody I'm lucky enough to mentor under, he said that it's like going into somebody's house and then not acknowledging that they welcomed you into their home. Yeah. Yeah. So we were talking about that before you came back up and I had, I actually asked if uh, Samantha would record that for the podcast. Wow. Because they mentioned it and it instantly just, I thought of Samantha maybe at the end here recording yep. that, that welcoming and that greeting because it's, it is important. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, you know what? I'm uh, really about making safer spaces for people. Mm. And I think that uh, if you're going to be inclusive, number one thing you got to do is acknowledge the land that you're on. And and, and that says to Indigenous people, oh, this is a safer space to be. Mm. And uh, there's so many like status and non-status. So I usually try to include non-status in the um, acknowledgement because just because you don't have a card doesn't mean you're not indigenous and uh, you know to not acknowledge that lineage of your ancestors that have helped Mm -hmm. turtle island or north america be you know wonderful and plentiful and you know doing all of the wonderful things that got us here i mean that that's wrong um but that's that's just one side of me my other side goes all the way to the mayflower my dad um he so yeah so i'm a daughter of the mayflower and a daughter of the american revolution wow yeah, so I have all of that in me, you know. Wow, what <laughs> yeah. kind of a conflict does that ha- happen inside your head sometimes? Well, you know, it's an interesting thing. That's what happened in my life that got me to where I'm at because if it wasn't for that conflict between my parents that eventually, like, I had to really unpack 
and, Mm -hmm. you know, go through counseling and try to figure out what is happening here. Um, No history, Indigenous history, and what was given to me was given to me in a propaganda state or in a negative tones. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I I internalized a lot of that. So I had a lot of unpacking. Um, When I was growing up, I heard a lot of negative things about Indigenous people. Okay, okay. I heard a lot of negative things about my mom. I heard a lot of negative things that just made me feel like as an Indigenous woman, I don't matter. Hmm. I, I will never matter. Um, I remember very specifically in grade eight telling my, you know, uh, French teacher, well, why would I learn French? I'm just a, you know, hmm. small town girl in, in, in Sylvan Lake. I'll never, you know, need French. What will I need French for? Hmm. Um, really seen my role as I will, you know, marry someone, have babies, and that's my role. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that that's just how I was born and raised, and I, I didn't think much of it. And, um, you know, now, obviously, I had to unpack a lot of things, so mm-hmm. I did. And then when I had my daughter, I seen I had to unpack even more. And that really got me to be, you know, talking about Indigenous issues and violence against Indigenous women because mm-hmm. of what I witnessed growing up. And then um, trying, and then at a certain point, I obviously made sense that, oh, really what happened between my mom and my dad is really the story of Canada and the Indigenous in general. Like yeah. it's just that bigger, just a, a micro story of the bigger picture. Yeah. So um, when my daughter was born and I had experienced some really awful things through just the birthing, um, it really got me political, really mm-hmm. wanted to talk about violence against women, violence against Indigenous women. And uh, of course, then I realized that LGBTQ2+, their struggles, my struggle, mm-hmm. and uh, really started to talk about unpacking that. I had to unlearn a lot. I mm-hmm. definitely suffer from, uh, you know, heterosexual arrogance. Yeah. So I'm I'm really grateful that uh, that wasn't one of my struggles. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that I don't have a role to constantly unpack that because mm-hmm. I have family that identify as lesbian and transgender. Mm-hmm. So you know, I don't want to be that jerk that hurt them at Christmas. (laughs) I don't want to be that person. So, you know, I got a lot of work to do. And the last, when we actually really met, I was Mm -hmm. listening to Pam Rocker and the conversation that you were having. What an amazing night, eh? (sighs) You know, I've heard her speak. (laughs) And the first time I met her, she's so inspiring because she Mm -hmm. was just like a comic singing a great story on the ukulele. Yeah. And just, you know, like she, her hair is amazing. And I just think she's just this fantastic role model. So I wanted to introduce my daughter to her immediately. And uh, so I've seen her a few times. And every time I hear her speak, I'm like, ah, that was so great. Mm -hmm. But your conversation with her and me being able to hear it was really great because then I got to really, you know, it's okay to be, you know, exploring what your spirituality really mm-hmm. means. And I just, there's so many things that she resonated that obviously she meant for LGBTQ2+, but mm-hmm. as an Indigenous person trying to unpack all of the residential school mm-hmm. treatment and the forced Christianity and uh, all of those things that just everything she said really helped resonate yeah. with, with me. So, you know, it's really important to me that I always acknowledge that, other people are struggling too. And mm-hmm. regardless of me being an indigenous woman, you know, I was raised white. My last name has always had English names. So I've, I've had a lot of privilege actually. Mm-hmm. And because I'm heterosexual, I have a lot of privilege. And that's why now that I'm in the state I'm in, it's like, well, I have 
I have to use my privilege in a good mm-hmm. way because I can't not stand around and, and do nothing. I can't yeah. be that person. And, you know, during uh, my daughter and, and having that, I was really lucky. One of the first things I did was like, okay, something is wrong with the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. And I went and I, I tried to talk to at my time, at the time M- my MLA was Hung Pham. And uh, for anybody who wants to research that, he was doing some dirty things and he's actually wanted in Canada now and oh, he just totally blew me off. So <clears throat> Manmeet Bular, well, he came into my door and I just ripped him a new one. I said, your system sucks, this sucks. And I just went through mm-hmm. all of it, went through my experience and he's like, well, what do you think the solutions are? So I told him, well, first of all, we need funded midwifery. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we need to have, uh, it's cost effective. Because I was still trying to talk like a conservative, to conservative people at yeah. that time. Um, so I talked about the economic benefits of mm-hmm. having midwifery. Yeah. And he's like, you don't need to sell me on this. My aunt is a midwife. Yeah. And I went, oh, well, that's good. And because I wasn't associated with um, any midwifery association mm-hmm. or a doula association, you know, he use that voice he got midwifery funded in Alberta and that I actually took the minutes from that into my daughter's birth story to try to make a positive out of our our experience so you can literally say Samantha's reason why we have funded midwifery in Alberta actually well right on yeah thank you Samantha (laughs) nicely done yeah but already changing the world my friend that's right that's right I like it you know and and it was because Manmeet Boulard though was like if you were to have ever, ever have met him he was uh really strong on trying to find the right way do the right thing he mm-hmm. comes you know he, his family is sick family and they uh he's a lawyer and so you know mm-hmm. had lots of university and experience and powerful family in in our area so um he used his privilege in the best way he could and it wasn't just that we worked together on talking about family violence mm-hmm. and there's an intersectionality with different cultures mm-hmm. and we had those discussions and he stood up for um he stood against child sexual abuse and stood against family violence mm-hmm. and tried to use his voice in such a good way so um so I was pretty sad when he died oh, yeah he he died in a car accident on the way up to Edmonton oh. and um when I first heard the news, I'm like, what? As if. He's a tank of a man. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I heard it was a semi that killed him. Oh, so. I remember now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So uh, when when I found that out, I'm like, okay. So he had a full funeral and his family, because they had to, like, it was such a big, big funeral. Yeah. They, um, they actually had two. And I, as far as I understand now, they've made some kind of like, like a funeral home that's more sick appropriate, yeah. like where they have like a bigger venue and such. So I think Heather told me about that. Yeah. A really, really amazing what they've done from that. And I'm, you know, but it, it really, the whole point of me telling the story too is it, first of all, politics is so personal, mm-hmm. number one, but two, it, um, you know, when you have a positive outcome like that, it's like, okay, you know, the system sucks, but at least you can try to make some yeah. good with what you got. And, and in my case, the privilege that I have. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I tried to start advocating for Indigenous rights in different ways. And unfortunately, Harper was just in such a state of coming after Indigenous mm-hmm. rights. It was quite easy. And it wasn't just me that was getting upset. Everybody was. And mm-hmm. I don't know more happened. So um, that was quite the experience for me. No and doubt. yeah, it, it was a big deal. And, you know, it. I was really, 
you know, I was a small town girl growing up in Alberta. Um, I was born in Calgary, uh, lived in Fort McMurray and lived in Sylvan Lake. And um, for me, just having such strong conservative values and, you know, being in a small town of 2000 people, but there's like seven different Christian churches because, you know, Christianity just couldn't get it to have everyone agree. So, you know, really strong conservative, right? You should have told them something. Yeah. Right. Really strong conservative (laughs) Christian values that are like permeating in my, in my upbringing. Right. Mm. And, um, so it, it was really hard for me at a certain point to go look I really care about human rights. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm a conservative, yeah. <laughs> just judging by their, you know. And and then when I really started to look at like their economic um, histories, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, they actually aren't even good at economics. And even though I was raised to believe that, mm-hmm. so at a certain point, I'm like, uh, yeah, I think it was that moment in the Matrix where you take the pill and oh, you start yeah. going down that tunnel. I never felt so alone mm-hmm. after I've had my baby because um, the food we were eating, I was aware of how toxic it was, the mm-hmm. processed food. Um, I felt like the con- all the politicians were paid for, bought and paid for. Mm-hmm. You know, our way of life was wrong. The planet was dying. Indigenous people were being killed, not mm-hmm. just here, but globally. Yeah. And I just felt like, like what? how are we here? How is this a thing? And, um, you know, and that was around the same time that I got my first phone, my iPhone. Like I I had cell phones, but you know, like, I mean, once upon a time, we didn't even have answering machines. We had like party lines, right? Mm -hmm. So it's been (laughs) such a transition when it comes to like having in your hand an encyclopedia. Yeah. Like it, it's just the wildest thing, right? It's changed everything. It has. So I've just like, I've gone into, you know, information overload, but it's also because I love to read. So it like having um, a library in your hand at all times is just the most amazing thing. And uh, so I've been, you know, researching all about policies and, you know, structural Mm -hmm. problems for so long. And, you know, I'd start calling out things that I thought were wrong, whether it was, you know, through a hashtag on Twitter or whatever. And before you know it, people are calling me things like an activist or an advocate. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm just a mom just sitting here going, I'm raising my daughter in an environment that's going to result like this. We have to change something. Mm-hmm. So I got, I, I decided, I, I met a really amazing candidate and she really, you know, first this candidate from the Liberal Party started a book club. Mm-hmm. So there's number one win. I love books. Books are good. Yeah. And she brought in Tom Flanagan out of all people. Mm-hmm. And so we read Tom Flanagan's book, he came in, there was like four of us. We sat down and had a conversation. Wow. Yeah, just having political conversation. And uh, it really, you know, opened my eyes that we can have these conversations. And then I started to realize that, you know, those who who are running campaigns and that, Mm -hmm. like it's a really small segment of the population that's really into uh, politics. And um, just started unpacking a lot of that and, having a really hard time trusting the liberals um when i were when i was with liberals you know the racism and sexism was really rampant yeah. really bad um but this new candidate she wasn't like that mm. she was a doctorate and um uh immigrant family and such so mm-hmm. you know i learned so much from her and really brought me into the liberal family in the sense that i got to really meet a lot of different people and because the liberals in alberta are like you know almost extinct it's a it was easy for me to meet incredibly Mm -hmm. influential liberals really quick 
And, um, and then I realized like they want to hear from me Mm -hmm. actually. And they want to hear, they want to hear from a woman. They want to hear from an indigenous woman. And they certainly want to hear from an Albertan. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, and while in a lot of respects, like that's a pretty small minority, a liberal indigenous woman in Alberta at the Mm. same time, that perspective was something they really wanted and it really mattered a lot to me. Um, so the liberal party has different commissions, um, and they did that on purpose because they knew people were marginalized. Mm -hmm. So they have a women's commission, a seniors commission, an indigenous people's commission and a youth commission. And, um, each one of them are able to bring policies to the, to the convention when we have our policy conventions Mm -hmm. so that that way, it doesn't get voted out <laughs> because yeah. it's easy when you have a hundred policies to say, look, I got, um, you know, 90% are economic policies that we want to focus on. Yeah. It's really easy to vote out a women's policy, a senior's policy, mm-hmm. and then those voices never get heard. But the Liberal Party is different in saying, no, we need those voices at the table. Yeah. So if you join the Liberal Party, um, if you're a woman, you're automatically part of the Women's Commission. If you're Indigenous, you're automatically part of the Indigenous People's mm-hmm. Commission. If you're a certain age, then you're either a youth or, yeah. or a senior. So, like, that's just the way the Liberal Party works. But they didn't tell me that at first, actually. Mm-hmm. And I, it's because they literally didn't know that at first. Yeah. And when I realized that they... I could influence the Indigenous policy, of course, that was the first thing I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So I... um put forward a two-spirit policy and um, to stop spying against Indigenous people in our organizations. Mm -hmm. Because at that time, Pam Palmater and uh, Cindy Blackstock were being openly spied upon in the media. They were talking about um, the the spying that was happening. And I mean, I knew that was one of many different times of... Why were they spying on them? That's actually the history of Canada is to always spy on Indigenous people. Because, yeah, because in order to have the land... You have to marginalize the people, yeah. put them on small little reserves, yeah. you know, keep them impoverished, and then that way you can keep the land, uh, right? Well, here's two women, doctorates, you know, mm-hmm. know their rights, are advocating for others. Mm-hmm. We should probably spy on those two because they're yeah. going to create a movement. And sure, you know, they did. They yeah. they really did. Um, I, I see them as more influential than most people in Canada, yeah. including the prime minister and a lot of the ministers, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, because what they say matters the most to me, yeah. you know, um, no question. Anyway, um, so those were the policies that I put forward and they passed. Mm-hmm. And I went, what? Nice. So the lit that we gave out at Pride Parade before said yeah. LGBTQ. And then the next one said LGBTQ2+. Yeah. And I went, I did that. Yeah. And then because I started calling that out nationally, if mm-hmm. whenever I see LGBTQ, I call it out. And I say, look, we're in a time of reconciliation. The least you can do is add the two. Yeah. And most people are like, yeah, fair. And they do. So, you know, it, it's not, it's not mean spirited. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, we can do this. We can do this together if we, uh, we do a little bit of work together. Yeah. So most people are pretty on board with that. I think this is the first time in history we've really had true relationships between indigenous and Canadians and Canadians going, okay, how do we do this? Mm-hmm. So as long as you know, we have some indigenous leaders that are like, okay, well, this matters, this matters. Mm-hmm. Land acknowledgement. I had a conversation about that with a friend the other day where, and they didn't realize this was a thing, <laughs> you really? know, thousands of years of indigenous explaining, 
you know, acknowledging the land if they're visitors in that era. And we're trying to bring it into culture and Canadian culture. And so I do a teaching, a Mm -hmm. 45-minute teaching about uh, land acknowledgement for just this area. Yeah. In the hopes that people understand why we say what we say when we say it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because I bet you a lot of people, once they're educated about it, they're probably like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's about, you know, creating safer spaces for people. So like, for example, um, you know, marginalized groups, whether you're people of color, LGBTQ2+, ableism, all of these issues, you know, we got to start working harder at making places Mm -hmm. able for everyone to access. And, um, if I know I go into a place and, you know, for sure they're going to serve pork and they're not going to mm-hmm. label it, you know, that's not inclusive to everybody. We yeah. know that now. And it, is it really like it, it doesn't make it any um, like it, it's not harder on me to do a little extra to make sure everybody feels welcome. Mm-hmm. If I say, you know, my name is Michelle, I use she and her pronouns, you know, mm-hmm. the LGBTQ2 plus no okay, she's trying at least she, yeah. to, to create a safer space. Yeah. So um, so that's really, you know, a lot of where my political advocacy was, where it was like, geez. And it's always unpacking for me mm-hmm. because I don't always get it right. Um, yeah. The other day I apologized to a friend of mine who was black because mm-hmm. she pointed out, did you realize that the article that you shared is of a black man? I'm like, no. I didn't. So, Mm -hmm. you know, did an apology. And I've actually talked about having her on my podcast just to talk about, you know, what does a meaningful apology really look like and why would you do it? And just to make everybody feel comfortable and to acknowledge your privilege and to acknowledge that you screw up Mm -hmm. sometimes. And that's okay because that's how you move forward. That's what real reconciliation is, right? Is just acknowledging mistakes and moving forward. Well, and part of that moving forward, though, for us, you keep mentioning the word because, I mean, obviously it's stuck in my head. Um, The unpacking portion of it when you get to be a certain age, right? And we realize that, holy crap, there's a lot of stuff that... Like for myself, yeah, a lot of stuff that I was wrong about, mm-hmm. just flat out wrong. Just yeah, had, and and I don't, I might have no pride left really because at this time in my life, like pride is gone. Yeah, it's it's more about <clears throat> just the reality of it, right? Humbling. Yeah, and just accepting it. Yeah, accept the fact that I mean, but I still find myself occasionally um, just button up against that wall. Hey, like yeah. when something new comes and it's like I still feel it inside that wall that comes up to say no 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 that's 100%. not percent right because yeah. you don't you don't want to be wrong oh you know it's so funny because uh right now i'm in the middle of a campaign to save my daughter's school and okay. now there's a lot going of, on at her school my daughter's school yeah. is going through school closing procedures right now oh geez yeah and uh so my campaign has been to try to save the school mm-hmm. and it can be saved, actually. It really. You want could to mention be. the name of the school? Yeah, it's Prince of Peace. So Prince if you Peace? see Save Prince of Peace, that's yeah. me trying to, along with a ton of other, you know, parent volunteers. Yeah. Um, they have a church, so there's a few of the church uh, board of directors. Okay, mm-hmm. we're we're on board with this, and then the students, of course, yeah. and the staff. Unfortunately, they're they're silent. They have to be because they're CBE. No, actually, they're Rocky View. It's oh, a Rocky okay. View school. And okay. uh, unfortunately for teachers, they're not allowed to really be political. So they have the most silenced voice in this whole thing right now. Anyway, you know, just trying to, um, you know, give perspective. Like Prince of Peace is a public Lutheran mm-hmm. school. 
So I'm I'm dealing with very conservative Christian people and old school thinking. Very old school thinking. Yeah. Um, very. Oh, it, it's been <laughs> incredibly challenging to me as a progressive cons- um, liberal to be talking, and 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 just to remember, like it's very humbling to mm-hmm. remember, the lot of Alberta still lives this way. Yeah, you know, you left it. You are trying to get away from it, mm-hmm. but you still have to deal with it and deal with it in a kind, loving, respectful way. Yeah. Because ultimately, these are just good people, you know, living their life, mm-hmm. and we're all in this together, and we have to figure this out together. Yeah. And uh, so I've been kind of forced to deal with, like, party people mm-hmm. I would never want to deal with, yeah. ever. Uh, UCP folk. Um, but they probably need you more than anyone else. Well, the, the irony about Secretly. having that political background yeah. is that I know how to run a campaign. I mm-hmm. ran for Ward 10. Yeah. Um, you know, to me, I'll, I'll talk about that a little later, sure. but ultimately that experience was able to help me with this experience. Yeah. You know, um, the, the students are right away calling media, mm-hmm. getting everything there. Good and for them. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. These kids, they're Hasn't so, so smart. Yeah. They're so smart. Yeah. I just am humbled by the next generation. Yeah. Um, just recently, the there's a UN conference happening about climate change. Yeah. And they just had the kids out there being like, we're not even here to ask you politicians for help. You failed us. We yeah. know you will fail us. We know you do not have our best interests. Yeah. We're just here to tell you we're coming. And yeah. we turn 18, we're here. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> nice. But, you know, I see it in the generations. Yeah. Like, I don't know more. Um, we all brought our kids mm-hmm. and those kids are, are so woke. They were yeah. born woke. You know, we, mm-hmm. uh, for me, I had to travel down a whole tunnel of, un, you know, packing a lot mm-hmm. of things to get to the point I'm at. And I think a lot of people are like, if you're a native associated with the liberals, then you need more unpacking to do. Yeah. And, and that's fair. Um, but at the same time, you know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of conversation to have about why they might be misplaced in that thinking too. Yeah. So, you know, um, I'm, Obviously, working within the structure is is creating some change. Yeah. And I do get to have the most incredible conversations with influential people mm-hmm. as a result. And, you know, I won't lie. There are a lot of people in pos- public positions that I don't even think they know who their dry cleaner is, yeah. let alone the intricate details of how a school board runs mm-hmm. or, um, you know, other aspects of community. And uh, so it, it's incredible to me sometimes who gets into these positions mm-hmm. and are making incredible decisions based off of an incredible amount of arrogance and ignorance. Oh, big right? time. Right? Yeah. So, you know, I think it's really important that all, everybody get motivated to say what they need to say. But yeah. uh, we were having a conversation before that about swearing and things like that. And I was really trying to emphasize the more you use your words, like mm-hmm. that's what people started calling me an advocate for. Yeah. It would have been so easy to be just like, fuck you, Harper, mm-hmm. I hate you. Yeah. But but instead of saying that, I said, you know, this is a poor economic decision yeah. because of this and this and this. Um, you're morally um, corrupt by doing this and this and this. Mm-hmm. This is like, you would never allow your son or daughter, blah, 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 blah. And people were like, oh, who's this human rights advocate? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm just mom, just mm-hmm. a mom. That's it. Yeah, but you touched on something that's very important for any yeah. advocates or potential advocates, right? Yeah. Because I don't know about yourself how long you've been doing it for, but I've been a social worker for a long time. 
And the first job, I had to be an advocate mm. and, an ad, and do advocacy work. And I did it for a long time, and it's, it's painful. Yeah. Like, it's painful, especially when you're new to it. And, uh, you know, of course, you're angry at everything. <laughs> I was angry about everything. I was like, nope, no way you're not going to do that. Yeah. Right? I know a lot of, um, un- I think because I unpacked basically what domestic violence was, mm-hmm. sexism, patriarchy, um, ga- gaslighting, mm-hmm. that helped me set up being able to unpack racism. Yeah. So when I'm around people and I start feeling that where I feel little or mm-hmm. I feel lesser than, I start unpacking why I'm feeling that way. Mm-hmm. And usually I can start naming it. Oh, that's the patriarchy. That's mm-hmm. sexism. That's gaslighting. Sea lining is a new term for me. Ghosting. Mm-hmm. There's a few new terms that have really helped me when I know what they are. Yeah. They empower me to know this is what's happening to mm-hmm. me right now. And to... Um, and that changes how I feel because then I know, okay, it's not just me. This is somebody else's narcissism that they're trying to impose on me. Uh, and when you when you have that boundary, like then you feel better and you feel really empowered too. Because when you know somebody's just you know being a jerk, yeah, it's easy just to be a jerk back. But at the same time, there's ways to do it so that you're strong and empowered, but also debunking what they're saying. Yeah, and showing that you're coming from a strength a place of strength mm-hmm. and um and pa- positive politics like that i know a lot of people don't like justin trudeau i get it i get you're out there but he he focuses on positive politics mm-hmm. and by doing that like you that empowers me a lot it's like okay what's the positive way to say this and when you sit down and you think about it, there are lots of positive ways. Completely takes the power away from any bully that's just trying to overpower you. Because mm-hmm. it, it's just, you know, I'm not going to argue with somebody. Yeah. You know, I have facts usually behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, something I have to say, maybe have like stats, reports, mm-hmm. whichever. I talk a lot about the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Yeah. 94 calls to action and almost everything that somebody says against an indigenous person, I can say, if you were to read this one, you would know, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and, and really debunk it. Yeah. And that's just one report. That's not the, you know, Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples. That's not the United Nation Declaration of Rights of Indigenous mm-hmm. People. There's so many reports that are existing that it's easy to say. The last week we've seen a whole bunch of uh, news about Thunder Bay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, what's going on there? There's so many reports already existing saying, you know, systemic racism. Yeah. Right. I just watched a, pe- a little bit of it. Oh, it's so awful. Yeah. Um, I had a book club. So I run a book club, too, on indigenous um, mm-hmm. issues. And uh, the book club, Seven Fallen Feathers. I actually did a podcast on it. Um, we had the book club and it really talked about seven deaths that happen in Thunder Bay. Mm -hmm. And what happens is that, um, speaking of losing a school, they never had a school in a lot of the remote Northern communities. So a lot of those kids are, are basically, they have to come into Thunder Bay in order to finish their education. And because they're, you know, away from home, that within itself is its own trauma, let alone the fact that you're trying to go into a white school and dealing with systemic racism Mm -hmm. and then dealing with whatever trauma you may have had in your past because, you know, lucky us, we have intergenerational trauma Mm -hmm. from Indian residential school segregation from the reses and all of these things that have really caused major issues. So adjusting into a new, you know, a city, a white society, Mm -hmm. and then trying to 
white code in order to exist and and go through the system it's a lot Mm -hmm. and then you know uncle passes away or somebody passes away and you can't go back or you know something happens and you and you can't even you just feel helpless right so it talks about um these seven deaths and a lot of the things that were happening in their lives that Mm -hmm. ended up where we ended up but it also talked about the systemic racism of the policing. Yeah. Um, I deal a lot with missing and murdered Indigenous women here in Calgary. Okay. And no matter if it's here or if it's there, there's just a pattern of um, police not properly investigating, mm-hmm. police botching the um, in whatever there was investigated, uh, media obviously making it propaganda and racist, and you know, uh, families that are already dealing with intergenerational trauma now trying to deal with the death of their loved one. Mm -hmm. So when you, and this, this is just a formula all across the country on every single death, like every paper, every media report that I see, Mm -hmm. um, it's the same formula. So, and that, that's what it, you know, unpacks a lot of that with these seven fallen feathers. And, uh, Anyway, there's a new podcast out of Canada land that Ryan McMahon was a part of, mm. and it really talks about the systemic issues that they're having in their white society yeah. with the policing and the mayor and all of those things, right? Yeah. And what's leading up to a lot of these problems. Mm. And then they had another investigation. Oh, I should say, out of the seven fallen feathers, that there was a report that came out, okay. and there were recommendations, and of course, never implemented. Truth and Reconciliation Commission, a lot of those calls to actions have never been been implemented mm-hmm. the solutions are there there's no question um our people have gone through all these traumas gone through them again in order to create these reports and yet white society never implements them yeah. so and until they do we are going to see this repeat over and over and mm-hmm. over so you know for me it's easy for me to come to the table with solutions always yeah. do like my my ancestors were lucky enough to get me here the very least I can do is say these reports that your own people made need implementing. <laughs> yeah. Please do this. <laughs> yeah, but that's a that goes back a long way, right? Like it where, does. Where yeah. the governments of North America promise a whole lot of shit. Yeah. And they don't do. They don't even do a it. Percentage of it, like Mm-mm. even a small percentage of it. You yeah. know, uh, here in Calgary, we had uh, the election, and you know, I I would ask politicians, "What are your you know solutions for?" Mm-hmm. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And here in Calgary, we actually had a really progressive um, step taken, and they made what's called the White Goose Flying Report. And the White Goose Flying Report was looking at the Truth and Reconciliation Commission at the municipal level and saying, okay, where are roles and responsibilities? I would argue it's a really conservative report, but regardless, at least they did it. Mm -hmm. So I was, during the campaign trail, asking all of the candidates, what is your plan for the White Goose Flying Report? And most of them were like, I don't know what you're talking about because that's just the way people are. And uh, they wanted to talk about arenas, the flames, NHL. And bullshit. Right? And I'm talking about, you know, systemic poverty with an Indigenous lens. talking about public art with an Indigenous lens. I'm talking about White Goose Flying Report. Mm -hmm. Because I know... Even as an Albertan raised with the idea of fiscal responsibility, I actually know it's even cheaper to just implement these and then that way it would save us more money in the long run. I know that. Um, The stats are there. Everything is there to prove it. But conservatives, they just don't think that way. Yeah. So, so, yeah. Yeah, it's just my constant battle to have Mm. with people. Uh, Doug Ford, he just cut midwifery in Ontario. And I said... 
you know, because everybody's like upset about it and talking about the patriarchy and I 100% agree with that. But I just made the point that it's even a stupid fiscal um, policy. Yeah. Like it doesn't make sense because it's more expensive to have OBs and, um, you know, gynecologists mm. than it is to have a midwife. Yeah. So it's even a stupid fiscal decision yeah. from a so-called conservative. Yeah. So, you know, like it, it's easy to call these things out and know that there are good solutions, mm. but it's just trying to have reasonable dialogue in a society yeah. right now that doesn't want to have reasonable dialogue. Yeah. They want that fuck you, Trudeau, fuck you, Harper conversation. And it's like, I'm, I don't want that conversation. Yeah. You know, I don't want to talk about um, GSAs being the reason why Christian schools are closing because I know that's not true. I know, I know that's not true. Yeah. I know the reason why our school is closing has nothing to do with GSAs and affirmative mm -hmm. um, belief systems or, um, oh, what's the other, or a war on Christians. Mm -hmm. That's the other thing I've been hearing. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, we're so sorry too. Right. You know, I, it's unbelievable to me yeah, that yeah. Christians think they are marginalized Yeah, and especially after Indian residential school, if there was no other proof yeah. of how lucky they have it, they have a whole system based on the oppression mm -hmm. of a whole race of people, you know, beaten, tortured, sexually abused us, yeah. and they still think they're marginalized people. Yeah. So, you know, that's, it is where, where we're at, but, you know, ultimately that was the reason why I, I ran for Ward 10 is because even people with masters in poverty reduction, they still don't have indig indigenous intersection. When I was in the federal arena, mm -hmm. I would find when you talk to a federal politician, they don't know what the Indian Act is. Mm -hmm. You can have a lawyer who doesn't know what the Indian Act is. And That's absurd. It, right? Yeah. So, and, and, but the post-secondary education does that on purpose. Of course they do. Right? So, yeah. of course, that's why we're here. Mm -hmm. So that's, like, if there's any Indigenous people listening, the most important thing to me is that you need to know with all of your heart that your lived experience and your knowledge on indigenous issues, mm -hmm. you have more of it than most politicians will have in their pinky at mm -hmm. the end of the day. And they need your voice at the table. They need your voice mm -hmm. at the table, whether we're talking Hockey Canada so that we don't have, you know, the, the Redskins hockey team anymore. Oh, um, whether we're talking about uh, community association, mm -hmm. if they don't have land acknowledgements, if they don't have, you know, welcoming um, remarks from indigenous people, they need you. Mm -hmm. Um it's not going to be easy. You're going to deal with a lot yeah. of racism. But at the end of the day, like we're here and lucky to be here. Mm -hmm. Thanks to my mother survived. My grandmother survived. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the survival of all of my family. Mm -hmm. And we owe it to our next generation mm -hmm. to do better. Right. And the struggles I'm facing are a million times better than what my mom faced, yeah. which are a million times better than what my grandmother faced, yeah. which, you know, so I, I just try to remind indigenous like your ancestors are always with you mm -hmm. always with you and want you to be strong and resilient um because otherwise you wouldn't be here yeah you wouldn't be here and you know for those who are suicidal like there's a, a new inuit first nation helpline through indian residential schools and i actually have seen positive um you want to give out that number? Do you have it? Yeah, I usually say it on my podcast, yeah. and it's like Googleable, so we can find it in a second. The wellness uh, hotline. Wellness and, hotline. Yeah, and um, 
so like there there's always resources that are like intersectional and culturally appropriate mm-hmm. and uh it's toll free and it's oops sorry Darce. i know you're not going to be happy with those noises um it, it's toll free it's available all He's the time over there right i know now. He's like, oh, right. I, oh, just yar. trying to find her a hotline number <laughs> and she touches a microphone yeah. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden he becomes a pirate yeah. yar, stop touching the mic <laughs> <laughs> sorry to interrupt <laughs> so yeah you know like the resources are there i want people to feel empowered you know awachan healing lodge is a women's shelter here in calgary mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, of course, it's going to be hit and miss. I volunteered at the distress center and I've mm-hmm. seen the people that volunteer. You're not always going to get, you know, the perfect conversation, totally. but sometimes you just call, hang up, call again, and you'll get the right person that's yeah. meant to, right? Um, yeah, because we have to fix this. Mm-hmm. We have to fix this. Our, you know, we still live under the Indian Act. That needs to change, oh, you so know? Just, yeah, it's silly most racist piece of legislation yeah. i say silly just because i didn't want to get mad so i just said silly yeah well and that's <laughs> that's just it like sometimes there are no words yeah like i talk about trying to find your words and it's like yeah. there are things that's like okay i can't even unpack this right now yeah seriously i like even the like le- legislation that allowed us to have slaves and stuff like that like yeah the truth of the matter is it just it makes me just not be able to breathe because I understand, like every, like you said, every generation we change, we learn, we grow. Hopefully, yep. right? Yep. But I think that what you mentioned about the financial irresponsibility of, of the way things are, of the system. Yeah. And the, oh, what popped into my head was that example of our city voting on the Olympics, yep. because to me, there's no yes answer. Mm-hmm. That is the stupidest way to spend money. I cannot even fathom. But that's my opinion. Yeah, yeah. And everyone has a right to theirs. Yeah. But I cannot imagine on what planet it seemed like a good idea to first of all have the olympics anymore yeah second of all to give those people any money Mm. to have to pay the ioc or something (laughs) like that like this yeah the ioc is like that old system you're talking about right right and so so is the rest of it like the whatever our, our politicians are doing is still based on that really shitty financial like it's designed Corrupt. to lose money so you have to get a bailout, right? It's mm-hmm. almost designed like that, yep. right? And on what planet do we give Chevy and other car companies subsidy? On what planet do we do that? Yep. What I'm going to do is I'm going to send a letter to the government and say, I want a subsidy because yeah, yeah. I don't have enough money, <laughs> right? And see what they say. They'll be yeah. like, yeah, we don't care. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know. Anyway, sorry, I went on a tangent there and I didn't mean no, to. No, but it's important it. too because it's important for people to understand like the gravity of what we're dealing with. I mean, yeah. I'm talking about a school closure, um, you know, volunteering at casinos. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most unethical um, expectation put on, you know, volunteers of people. Mm-hmm. I, ca- I can't even, I don't even want to start unpacking that right now. Yeah, you and me both because I, yeah, lots of stuff came to mind. Right, yeah. right. And and so like we have all these unethical systems that mm-hmm. we're forced to, to be a part of. And, you know, ultimately when it comes to Indigenous people being in a colonial system, mm-hmm. that is the problem. You know, yeah. we had our own ways of governance. And so, in fact, our ways of governance were so great that that actually was the base to, to a lot of the governance you do see in Canada and mm-hmm. the U.S., only in an appropriated, twisted way. So 
for me, it would just be really great if we could just get into the colonial system enough to unbreak it mm -hmm. and, and to, to just be like, this system isn't working. Um, mm -hmm. It's hard work to create a constitution, and I, I respect that. I understand that. But if your constitution is based off the Indian Act and segregating a whole race of people, mm -hmm. then you need to redo your constitution. There's yeah. no question. You have zero right being anywhere on the planet talking mm -hmm. about human rights, you know, calling out yeah. anyone about human rights violations. When mm -hmm. here today we have indigenous people that are impoverished on purpose. Mm -hmm. Yet it, it's a thing that I, I want to, again, stress to indigenous people. When I realized how many people with masters in poverty reduction had no concept of indigenous issues, mm -hmm. like we will never solve poverty related yeah. issues in this in this country yeah. without that intersectional lens there's got to be some there's got to be a blend right <sighs> huge huge because thus far those people with those master's degrees in poverty reduction are the same yeah. individuals who suggested that we would end homelessness in 10 years those are the same people right yeah using the same thing shit that how are we going to do it right and and that's the thing like nonprofit. i had uh when i first got into I, I'm, I've been in nonprofit for five years and I'm, I'm actually ending my contract this yeah. like days from here. Oh, okay. Um, and the irony with that, I met my very first elder and he said, Michelle, nonprofit was made for those rich wives sitting in houses with twiddling their thumbs mm -hmm. for them for something to do. And, you know, he said that to me five years ago. And for five years, I've been trying to say no. Mm -hmm. You're wrong and have been unable to prove that. Yeah, yeah even though you tried hard. <laughs> even though, you know, like I've been unable to say because all I see are incredibly rich people in charge, like executive directors or CEOs mm -hmm. of these nonprofits. And the very workers that do the work are, you know, poor, impoverished people oh, making yeah, minimum question minimum wage if yeah. that you know paying out of pocket expenses mm -hmm. working beyond the hours they are meant to Oof. work and um you know my dad is a boilermaker union mm. boilermaker yeah. he just retired and uh he has a problem with me doing any volunteer work because he believes that if a job is worth it somebody should be paying you mm -hmm. do not do free labor and, um, you know, so I come from that kind of background mm -hmm. and then going into nonprofit, I'm like, there is no way nonprofit and, you know, a union worker have anything in common. And then sure enough, mm -hmm. it just seems like almost everyone who's NDP is a part of both movements. And I'm like, you both are diametrically opposed to like each other's like mm -hmm. thoughts and values here. How are you guys together in a thing? <laughs> I could tell you the easy answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it makes money. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, politics, colonial politics, I should say, is um, is a sad, sad state. And I just, mm -hmm. every system that I see seems so broken. Yeah, and I don't cool. understand how we've gotten here. And um, I just recently watched a, a video called Honor Diaries. And mm -hmm. it talked about, you know, women's progressive rights that they had prior to the yeah. um, revolution in Iran in the late 70s. Okay. And how it just went from one extreme to another, like from, you know, liberal progressive women to the situation we're in now. Yeah. And I just, you know, I know that all of this can be taken like that, mm -hmm. and especially with the type of rhetoric that we have. So it's a lot of pressure. It doesn't have to be. I mean, ultimately, I think we, uh, everyone in this room knows 
I mean, creator decides. We don't get to decide everything, yeah. right? But I do believe that we're put into certain places to say certain words at a mm-hmm. certain time on for a reason. So that's all I can do. Yeah. Walk through this world, you know, the way I was meant to walk it. Type on Twitter, whatever. Mm-hmm. Be in a community setting. Yeah. Talk to indigenous people when they need to be talking to. or Like we cross paths when we're meant to. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see it as, uh, you know any other way because mm-hmm. I have too many people cancel meetings and then me bump into people that I wasn't expecting to. Yeah. So I know we're meant to cross paths when we're meant to cross yeah. paths. So I just go with it. Just go with the flow. That's it. Right. And yep. just say what you need to say when you say it. And, you know, especially, and a lot of elders say, if it's coming from a good place mm-hmm. and, and a good heart, then it's the right thing to say. It's yeah. your ancestors speaking through you. And that's what I tell people, especially when they say I did a good job. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think that was me. It must have been something bigger than what yeah. I understand. That's exactly how I feel about it too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. I dig that. that uh, it, it's just beyond us, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like there's no way I could have orchestrated this. No. <laughs> no. I, honestly, I couldn't. I'm not smart enough. <laughs> you know, um, it, my <laughs> no husband, way. he's been pushing me to do podcasts for at least two years. Yeah. And it wasn't that I was against it. I was just like, I don't understand it. And it was yeah. just more one of those things. He was like, he set up the computer, set up the mic, and he's like, talk. And so I just say what happened that week. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you have a podcast. And it's like, you know what? I want to say this on the podcast. Yeah. So, and how I really make peace with it, especially to like you and I grew up in a generation where there were party lines, mm-hmm. then cell phones. And now people, you know, some people read books, some people watch documentaries, some people listen to the radio. Yeah. And it's just a different medium. To reach people. So what I say on Twitter is basically what you're going to hear on my podcast. Mm -hmm. Only I know some people never watch or read Twitter. And some people listen to podcasts and vice versa. Some people will never listen to a podcast, but will read my Twitter, Mm -hmm. you know, and just have that conversation. Because you can't be everywhere all the time anyway. It's true. Right? So this is the your way to get out your thoughts and opinions and mm-hmm. go from there. And some people dig it and some people don't. <laughs> totally. I don't, I don't mind either way. Right. Like the, cause the podcast is a new format for me. Mm-hmm. I honestly, if you asked me a year and a half ago, I'd say, if you said, Dave, how long a podcast been around? I'd be like about 30 days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cause to me it was brand new. Yep. Totally. Yeah, and it was like, I was blown away by how simple it, it can be. Yeah. To just have a conversation and express ideas. Totally. Yeah. Um, and I always felt like, well, what would I say? Like, what do I have to say that anybody would want to hear? And my husband would like become unglued mm-hmm. and be like, you have this to say, you have this experience. And, yeah. and, um, so and you're he, saying Darcy has an anger issue. What? No, no. You just really be encouraging. That's a better word. <laughs> it's yeah. Aggressively, aggressively encouraging. encouraging. <laughs> he, you know, but he, he would say things like, uh, Michelle. The Canadian Grain Association has a podcast. Like the railway has a podcast. Oh my God. Does the Grain Association have a... Oh my God. Yes. And and recently the Military Museum came out with a podcast. And at a certain point you're like, okay, mm-hmm. you know what? It's a small niche podcast, but maybe somebody will listen. Totally. And when I'm out and about, I have people say all the time, oh, I really learned this from your podcast mm-hmm. at this time. I'm like, oh, so I have a listener. I have a listener. That's more what it becomes. It's like, yes, yeah. I have a listener. There's one person, <laughs> right? That's really, yeah, yeah really. Well, that's, I mean, really, if if I was told that when I first became a social worker, yeah, you just have to try to get one person. Yeah. 
right? Then it would have really helped to focus like that attention on each individual instead of like trying to keep everybody okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when you mentioned that about nonprofit, like it's so true because I've been in a, in a charity for probably. Yeah, most of my adult life, yep. I've worked in a charity. I either yep. worked or volunteered or been associated to it. And you're right. Like, there's a lot of disconnect from the top down. <sighs> but I got to tell you, yeah. it, other systems I visit, because I, I work with people from different systems, yep. um, each system is so broken in right? the same way. Yes. Because and I think what, what you're talking about when you talk about systemic racism and systemic problems even, yep. just beyond racism. Totally. There, because any system like that that's been around for any amount of time needs to be adjusted, mm-hmm. right? Like if not completely destroyed and rebuilt. Yeah. And like one of the one of the places I go into every once in a while is the Calgary Police Service. Yeah. Right. And that system, it, it, you don't even have to like think about it, but that system is broken. Like the system of management is broken. I am not. It's above my pay grade to say what the solution is. Yeah. Short of a house fire. But uh, or, a, or a house <laughs> garage sale kind of thing, but um, I know it feels like that though, right? I'm sure it does at times for you yeah. when people are just not listening. You know, I I think too. Like um, I have uh, one fellow in my life, and he used to say the term "low hanging fruit" all the time, mm-hmm. and it was in, it's funny because. You know, I might not have the capabilities to spark another idol no more or to get, you know, everyone on side for one particular cause, mm-hmm. but at least by working on a policy, mm-hmm. it gives me some direction and it, it, it's, it is that low hanging fruit where it's yeah. like, okay, I can't control everything. Yeah. I can't, you know, burn down all the parliament, but I can at hmm. least, right? Hmm. Have you ever watched V for Vendetta? Yeah. Right. And it's one of my favorite movies. Right. <laughs> For a reason. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to sit down and watch a show called Peppermint. And yeah. Peppermint is about the story of uh, a mother who loses her daughter. Oh, no. And she goes off the grid for five years yeah. and then she comes back. And the lawyers involved in the daughter's case suddenly die. And the judge mm-hmm. suddenly dies. And all of the people that killed her suddenly die. And I'm like, What's the name of this movie? peppermint i can't wait to watch it yeah it right like my cup of tea I it's like, like it. deadpool only a woman and i i i haven't that watched makes me it more excited right right yeah. and i i just i really resonate with that mm. where we have so many injustices mm. and how the canadian government has been so lucky to not have more people try to overthrow it is yeah. beyond me because it, it's not even my family sometimes, yeah. and I I feel that way. Yeah. So I can't imagine you know other people how they feel. <sighs> There's so many system broken systems. Yeah. We have 469 students that are going to lose their student uh-huh. their their school in overcapacity uh, situation already. So what are they telling you the reasons are for the school? So it's a leasing issue. So seriously yeah they want to sign a lease that means that the either the rocky view school district or the Mm -hmm. you know alberta government will will buy the land Mm -hmm. but because they can't get their stuff together between the different agencies to say we're going to buy the land that a school worth like to rebuild a school is like 20 million dollars sometimes higher yeah like 40 million anywhere in between so even a fraction less than what the Olympics would have cost for 10 days. Right. 
Keep it in perspective. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, and and it was just renovated. So yeah. over the summer, we had a flood. So they had to re-renovate the mm-hmm. whole thing to have it ready for the school or for the kids. <laughs> so we have a basically a brand new school yeah. that's about to lose all their kids in a in a great location. And, you know, nowadays kids, like we have at least 10 kids who have post-traumatic stress disorder. Oh, we have more yeah. kids that have anxiety disorder. And how, like we're supposed to be doing school re-registration mm-hmm. for the next year. And instead we're yeah. talking about school closing procedures. Yeah. I'm like, this is it's the absurd. lowest. It, it's in a conservative riding. Yeah. It's a conservative school. And so are conservatives more prone for education or less prone? Oh, boy. I don't know anything about I'll tell you my opinion first. My opinion is that, you know, conservatives think that things need to go in a privatizing situation. So Mm -hmm. for 40 years, there's been like, um, you know, systemic, regular tiny policy shifts that have basically wanted both our healthcare and our education to go into privatization. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, we're spending way too much money on, on flawed systems. Like we yeah. need to completely redo the systems now. Um, there's a great, I, I just spent three hours with, uh, supporting our students SOS mm-hmm. and they're a nonprofit group that um, talk about student advocacy. And they just taught me so much about the CBE. Yeah. I mean, I'm politically astute. I know the ins and outs of the Indian Act. Mm -hmm. I know about federal politics. I've run for municipal politics. And it's eye-opening spending Mm -hmm. three hours with um, this organization talking about just the CBC Mm -hmm. uh, issues with education. Yeah. Right? And and they're provincial. So, you know, I started talking a little bit about the Rocky View issues Mm -hmm. that I'm encountering. And... um, it, it's shocking to me all of the levels of political bureaucracy there are. How many more? I would ar- actually argue it's just barrier after barrier after barrier rather than this the system designed to work for our kids. Mm-hmm. You know, if for no other reason, if you don't see kids as anything more than a potential worker, then mm-hmm. <laughs> why aren't we doing better? Yeah. You know? It's uh, Isn't that awful? Like, I mean, they never changed the mentality from the factories, right? So it was like yeah. we were... We were then, after the industrial, Chattel. pushed into the factories. If you don't do it our way, you're not doing it. Totally. Right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So I just... It's a rip-off, man. It, it's just shocking to me. It's amazing that any of us are really here. And then it's just yeah. that micromanaging of, um, you know, lower class by the wealthy. That's, mm-hmm. that's our system. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, so just yeah. trying to navigate it, just trying to make sense of it, and just trying to... Do your small little bit to make yeah. the world a better place. Like it's that, you know, you, you're on a beach and the tide is going out and you take a clam or a starfish and you throw it and even though there's thousands of them and it's like, yeah, but that one might have a better chance, yeah. right? So yeah. that's what politics is for me right now. And okay. my biggest hope is that we don't undo more policies and that yeah. Iran uh, overthrow is really really sitting with me in a funny way right now because yeah. of where we're at. Yeah. Um, I I think it's really sad that people from uh, the Jewish Holocaust, uh, people who have survived World War II are saying, no, you don't understand. We're in those times again right now. Mm-hmm. And people are, we read books, we've gone over history, mm-hmm. and yet we're still, we're just humans who constantly mm-hmm. make these same mistakes over and over again. I know. Yeah. 
And that's why they can't, they can't close down schools like that. They can't, yeah. like in my mind, they, they can't. And the reason they can't is because how else are we going to educate kids to do better than us? <laughs> yeah. I, and don't get me wrong, I get it, because I'm a privileged 44-year-old white male in North America taken from Rob, because I can't get it out of my head, yeah. because it's true, yeah. right? But, the, but I, I just can't see why we have to hold on so tight. Mm. But then again, we're trying to talk about, we're talking about taking away power from people, yep. and nobody likes that shit. Right? Yeah, and yep. especially those people we're talking about. They, we're not talking about like a hundred years of money. We're talking about 500 years of money. Totally. Right. We're talking totally. about thousand, maybe a thousand years of money. Yeah. Right? I had seen a really good presentation from uh, Fort Calgary. There's a fellow there uh, named uh, Dr. Oh, his name is escaping me right now. I can't remember. He's such a great speaker. Dr. Troy, I'll just mm-hmm. say. And um, he he talks about how fundamentally today we are still being ruled by um, policies that were put into motion in the 1400s. And mm. people are so oblivious to that, right? They think we're so progressive. And it's like, we are so not progressive. Yeah. You know, and, and having those conversations with people is so difficult. But, you know, they're worth it, mm. ultimately. Because I, I look over at my daughter and mm-hmm. my at the next generations, and it's like, we have to fight for it. Yeah. You know, for what we can. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay to fight for it. Yeah. Every every human being has fought for anything they've ever gotten. Yep. And it has that hasn't changed. Hopefully and, that won't. And my dad as a union guy would say that too. Like yeah. then we don't have a single right that hasn't been fought for. Yeah. Like a single one. Absolutely. And that's why I, I actually do um and a lot of people might think I need to do- decolonize more, but there were a lot of people that fought for our right to, yeah. you know, as women to vote. There were a lot of uh, people who fought for our right as Indigenous people to vote. And if I can infiltrate the system in any way and then mm-hmm. dismantle it, I will. Yeah. Good. Good for you. Because honestly, at least once a week over the last maybe year even, yeah. well, at least once a week I, I, I look at the TV screen when I'm at the gym or wherever it happens to be on. Yeah. And I just go, why are we still putting up with this shit? Yeah. I'm right? like, you know, why? Why do we, why do we have media outlets that get off on showing us how terrible someone is right that breaks my heart right i know to be honest with you because it's like we're not like that man well and especially like on twitter there was a a woman and she just called out alberta and she's like you guys are the most whiny entitled bunch of rich you know Mm -hmm. uh folk that i've ever come across and um you know and it's embarrassing to me because it's true I mm-hmm. think more than anything, it, it's just, it's just true. Yeah. And I want to un, undo that. I want to be like, well, how did we get here? Because like when I was raised, I wasn't raised to be whiny. Yeah. And that's all I hear is yeah. whiny, whiny, whiny people, you know, Christians whining. That's really difficult for me because mm-hmm. of I'm an Indian residential school survivor through my, my family. Mm-hmm. <sighs> how can you talk about yeah. being oppressed when your people literally are killing mine and the the whole system is based off the oppression of my people, mm-hmm. the whole system, the whole system is based on the oppression of all people. Yeah. Right. I believe right. That, that old school system. It's not yeah. like that system is in itself. It is simply about power. Yeah. And so anyone below that power base mm-hmm. is fair game. Yeah. To I be agree. oppressed, controlled, 100%. killed gotten out of the way yeah right? and, and, and that's I mean, why i feel like i have nothing to lose like totally. we were just losing indigenous women like yeah. this and i was just like well i'm an indigenous woman in alberta yeah. 
I'll oh, speak out. Goosebumps, man. It makes me, it, that drives me nuts. How we just, we don't, so supposedly, I'm not going to say we, because those of us in this room obviously care. Yeah. Right. And there's obviously people out there that care, mm-hmm. but it, it really does, it really does have to make you think when so many people go missing and are murdered yep. and we don't do shit. Right. Like, I, I can't imagine a, so I, I read this story today and it's kind of funny because it's about this. It was, about, the guy mentioned this. Um, if you have two elephants, cause we used to be animists, right? Like most people were animists before Christianity apparently separated people from animals. Mm. This is just, I just read a little bit of this today. And so once Christianity put people above the animals, then they started selecting which people were above everything. Yeah. Right. And that's really, to, in my mind, I was reading that and I'm like, this is where all this shit comes from. Man. Yeah. Actually, Dr. Troy from Fort Calgary, yeah. he talked exactly about that. Oh, did he? Yeah. He talked about classifying, um, you know, the Darwin evolution time. Yeah. Was, that was when they really talked about how, you know, the darker your skin, the mm-hmm. more closer to monkeys you were and how this Ugh. was the savage group of people then there was the um barbarians which are people that were kind of able to control a bit and then the actual you know white christian Mm -hmm. uh british person right so that that was their hierarchy and that's why they were able to you know have slavery and and treat indigenous people Mm -hmm. the way they did and see us literally as savage and the irony being now today with climate change and the end of the you know earth in the way the form it is mm-hmm. that they're going to so those indigenous people they knew how to live on the land for thousands of years yeah so who was the savage right yeah who ruined the earth yeah so <laughs> well, I, I don't think there's any secret about who right fucked it all up right <laughs> to be right? honest with right you. we all know we all yeah. know they created the system and now yeah. they, they've screwed the planet up so so now we're here where it's like, okay, we got to just overthrow these people yeah. just so we can save the planet. Yeah. And, um, you know, hopefully indigenous knowledge and indigenous tradition can be incorporated mm-hmm. soon enough to start saving everyone, yeah. not just, you know, yeah. yeah. I, I would, I hope so too, right? Yeah, me I too. I hope, like one of the things that I hope for when I'm alone and hoping for things yeah. is a world where we don't even have to mention it. Right. Right. Where we get to a place and maybe not us, maybe it'll be Samantha when you're a grandmother or something like that. When you're a grandmother sitting with grandmothers, finally. Right. You, you guys might experience that. Yeah. Right. We might not live that long. And that's, which to me is fine. Like yeah. I, I am, I'm grateful to let other people do better. You yeah. know, like totally. Yeah. We do the best we can, but Man, it's, it's people, Sam, Samantha and your generation, those are going to be the home, the home homies, I was going to say. And then I was like, why am I going to call her a homie? Those are going to be the people that move it forward. I hope right? so. Yeah, yeah, I know. But we have to try to lay that groundwork and be that example. And yeah. Yeah. And I think I see it a lot more. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. And I'm sad that that also means that there are people with a lot of, you know, arrogance and ignorance feeling empowered to speak louder. But, you know, as long as we drown Mm -hmm. them out with facts, reason, most people will kind of be like, yeah. Yeah. I think you, I think you're right. I think eventually the facts will, turn most brains i, I think. think so but we haven't had access to the facts <laughs> it's only been it's recently true. right like it's true within the internet fa- yep. stage 
that's, I mean, guys like me, there was no possible way unless I was specifically interested in something yep. for me to just go, okay, I'm going to invest 30 hours in reading this book yep. right? or whatever it's going to take me. I'm a slow reader, so yeah. it takes me a lot longer than 30 hours, especially if it's something I'm not interested in, right? Totally. But if it's that interest, now we have access to everything, Yep. right? And I, I, for, I, I believe that's a great thing, mm-hmm. but I also believe it's what's causing anxiety. Yeah. And more people. Yeah. Because now everything seems insecure. Yeah. And and those of us who were here before the internet, yep. we recognize that it's always been insecure. Yes. It's never been it's never been safe. No. Nope. We are just now shedding light on that how unsafe it really is, right? Yeah. And when you said groundwork, that's why I'm so thankful for people like yourself, people like Pam Rocker. Yeah. People like Heather, Darcy. Samantha, you're going to do it. I know it. Yeah. You're going to, you got amazing like parents. You're probably going to be pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, well, more amazing than you already are. I didn't mean to make it sound like you were going to grow into your amazingness because <laughs> that's a very like, but that's a very Christian thing to say. One day you'll be amazing. Right. Yeah. But the truth is you are. Yeah. Actually, just to brag a little, um, yesterday I was going to, you know, I'd, kind of impose myself sometimes in the liberal party to teach yeah. um, indigenous ways. And I'm like, okay, so who's doing the land acknowledgement? Cause I can. And um, mm. you know, then it's automatically, Oh, for sure. And then Sam jumped right in and was like, I'll do it. And I'm nice. like, well, there you go. So yeah. she did it. And uh, then I got to be proud mom and just videotape it, yeah. which was nice. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That, but that's why people like yourself are so important. People, so important like to just to be able to go and do those like um you know one foot in front of the other things go and talk at places and that yeah. fact that you have nothing to lose that's what that's what we need well it's yeah. that and my dad he was well he is he's loud boisterous and full of bravo that i don't understand mm-hmm. and I, i've just always been that too yeah that there's no rhyme or reason just loud yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's the same with me. My yeah. my parents were helpers, right? Like that's what they did, and that's. Yeah. I mean, both my brothers, even though we're in totally different fields, yep. Um, both of them are helpers. There you go. Yeah, they're generous, like yourself, boisterous. Yeah, and I'm like my dad. I can talk all freaking day long. <laughs> I'm gonna take a break. Cool. Go take okay. a break. All right, we're back from our little break, and uh, Michelle's gonna tell us a story. And it is a good one. Yeah. And it was one of those things, the reason why I got uh, politically active at the federal level too, um, you know, I was really interested in civil liberties. I mm-hmm. wanted to really identify as a libertarian, but the problem was in Alberta that we had really screwed up the term libertarian and there was no intersectional uh, libertarian belief system for sovereign indigenous people. Mm-hmm. Regardless, um, you know, I really learned a lot about security certificates, yeah. and um, we had a fellow named uh, Mohammed Majob. He decided he was going to go across the country and talk about um, security certificates, and basically, it's uh, against our civil liberties. What's and a security certificate? Yeah, so it's basically a decision by the government, and it, it was first brought in by Chrétien, that, um, you know, to be able to detain someone you think is a terrorist mm-hmm. under, you know, all 
law just kind of forget law we'll just detain this person yeah because it's different eh? yeah exactly so security certificates were issued to uh at least five people that i know of and uh you know i don't know everything but Mm. by no means this man's rights were completely violated so you know he was going around uh, telling his story because i think the average canadian would be pretty horrified to hear that this could happen to you. And this was around the same time that Harper decided that all Indigenous people were eco-terrorists. And he took the list from the Indian Act and he just gave it over to the RCMP and CSIS. And uh, so I felt very personally hurt by that because I'm, you know, and at that time I was an Indigenous woman who drafted wells and pipelines. So Mm -hmm. if there was somebody who was probably going to be considered an eco-terrorist, it would probably be me. Mm -hmm. So I felt very violated by that idea when here I was raised a, you know, good Indian, conservative, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just followed standard quo in order to survive. And I, I really didn't even associate myself as an indigenous person. I just lived, right? Um, so anyway, I, I experienced a lot of racism when I had my daughter, but then when I seen these things happening at the federal level and Indian residential schools were um, really being talked about at that time mm-hmm. as well, so I hosted this man and uh, yeah, we got followed around. I had to give CSIS all my personal information and yeah. then they followed us around in suburban um, whenever we left the house until he got back on a plane and left. And uh, so it was really eye-opening how quickly your rights could be violated yeah. here in Canada. I mean, it was eye-opening before as an Indigenous person, yeah. but like here was a brown man in my house and according to the government, this is one of the most dangerous people in the country. And right. What was he doing? Telling his story. Telling his story. Telling his story. Dangerous though. Right. That is dangerous. Right. So I I knew I really had nothing to lose. Like Mm -hmm. missing um, and then murdered indigenous women was just happening all around me anyway. So I just it it made sense to really be exposing Canada's Mm -hmm. ugly, dirty secrets that mainstream media was not covering yet at that time. This was even before Idle No More even launched. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was just a real, you know, time to be political. So, and I guess I tell that story because it's really important for people who understand what activism is. Like, I, it wasn't something I wanted to do. Yeah. I've never wanted to be a politician. I've never wanted to be an activist ever. Mm-hmm. It's just that I felt I had to speak out at certain injustices that happened. Mm-hmm. And... um you know, so when you do start speaking out, obviously the first thing that's going to happen is that um, your inner circle, your family, mm-hmm. like you really um, they have to explain to your family what, what you're doing and why you're doing it. Yeah. And you're not going to be supported by all of them. Yeah. You will lose friends and family. Yeah. Um, and I I lost friends and family a long time ago. I, I mean, at, at truth conversations like way back in, you know, 2008 was legitimate truth conversations where it was like mainstream media is not covering this conversation or this conversation or this conversation. It's been really changed in the last five years to this conservative rhetoric that it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. But, you know, back, way back then, being a truth teller was yeah. a, was was really revolutionary. Um, Obama went after journalists and reporters and you know 9-11 trying to talk about that well mm-hmm. like that's talking about terrorism holy mm-hmm. um that really launched islamophobia too and the oh, God, you know yeah. cycle of having wars out yeah. in uh, the middle east so 
like there's a lot to unpack there but i mean 2001 was when the twin towers was hit and nobody wants to talk about 2001 and 2018 mm-hmm. right there was a generation of kids that weren't even alive when those mm-hmm. planes hit the the towers so you know it's old news right it's like my yeah. parents talking about i don't know pearl harbor or yeah. something right um so yeah just a, a huge change so anyway i've definitely i lost friends and family when i started going down the red road at all mm-hmm. When I started talking about um, issues with like midwifery, having a baby, ultimately a lot of people are scared of sexual reproduction in general. So there were people that were unfriending me or, you know, turning me off anyway. And and talking politics in general just scares a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talking about Indigenous issues and trauma that was associated with my journey turned off a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are a lot of people in my life that are no longer in my life from talking about politics. So you have to expect if you are going to be honest about it, your authentic self, Mm -hmm. that you're going to lose friends and family. And um, I get a lot of inspiration from like the LGBTQ2 plus community Mm -hmm. because they, out of all people, understand making your own family. And in the activist community, um, right, you have to make your own family. Uh, The liberal family, like we've had a couple of Christmas parties just recently. And frankly, I really needed them for my personal self. Mm -hmm. I needed a place where people are talking about positive politics and progressive politics, progressive Mm -hmm. ideas, a place that I could breathe. Um, Because again, you feel really alone and isolated. You're going to feel alone and isolated being in politics. Because, uh, and and that happened during my own campaign when I was running. Uh, One of the, my greatest supporters has always been Kent Hare. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he supported me in so many ways, all the ways you need to, door knocking financially. um, And a week before the election, he called me and he said, Michelle, I know this time right now, you have never felt more alone. And I just want you to know, you're going to get through this. And he, out of the blue, called me to mm-hmm. tell me that. And I've always been grateful for that. Yeah. Um, because I think that you can see it in Facebook posts and that that there are times people need a reach out. Mm-hmm. And I'll private message friends or, mm-hmm. or say, hey, you know, here's my number if you ever yeah. want to talk or text. And just even saying that really helps people. Yeah. Right? So just learn who your family is. Mm-hmm. And your family is going to change. Your family is is going to become people that share your your thoughts and your yeah. values, right? So that's number one. And then the other thing is too, if you're indigenous, you're going to face that racism. Mm-hmm. And racism you will get from people of color because racism is one term, but colonialism is the other term. Mm-hmm. There are, you know, brown settlers, black settlers that are here that still will think lesser of you because you're indigenous, because mm-hmm. they were taught to through their settler pro- propaganda that they are better than you mm-hmm. and that they are trying to white code. And that, so like he, even using the term, you know, white isn't really the right message because mm-hmm. it really, while it's rooted and based off of white supremacy, mm-hmm. it's actually colonial supremacy. Mm-hmm. And non-Indigenous don't always understand that yeah. intersectionality. So, and and there, you know, I have a deep um, understanding of domestic violence and sexism through counseling through my 20s. Mm-hmm. So those words have helped me through and understand that my relationship with Canada is an abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a subject, 
subject uh, subjugated uh, citizen. I'm a ward of the state. Mm-hmm. So you know, like an abused wife <laughs> in mm-hmm. a patriarchy Canada, yeah. system, yeah. right? So you know, if you know you are in that system and that is your where you're at, mm-hmm. then that will help you get through those moments when you get you know you're gaslighting yourself Mm -hmm. getting gaslit by from other people especially in politics Mm -hmm. and um just seeing the system for what it is you know you're going to come across terms like sea lioning i didn't know what that was and it was such a great what is it it's when somebody you think is interested in what you have to say starts questioning you and engaging with you but you can tell they're trying to take you down a negative road yeah yeah Uh, okay and what's it called sea lining sea lining yep okay yep so look it up because it it really helped me on twitter yeah actually it helped me realize who people are are on twitter and because they're out there you know they have the time and Mm -hmm. i don't know how they have the time to do it but they do and uh you know you you seriously think oh this is somebody interested in from my ward Mm -hmm. wants to hear my you know policies but they're not interested they're just interested in a bait game and uh and it's fight right yeah which is disappointing because you always want to think better and i find like face to face that's another thing is that um you know i was online for a long time but you do have to get go out into community Mm -hmm. like you do have to be at round dances or whatever like as an indigenous person Mm -hmm. go to round dances but you know whatever your political leaning go to those political conversations too um i've gone to many green party um conversations and just been hit with their racism, colonialism, you know, sexism. And you think these are good people, but they're older people. So they have those older generational beliefs. So sexism and racism is so, and colonialism is just part of their fabric. Mm-hmm. They don't even recognize they it They don't as even such, see right? it. And they're yeah. not interested because they think that they're progressive white people who yeah. have lived a good life and they know everything. So it's really difficult sometimes to have conversations with people who believe that. You know, but then you get the opposite where like one of my greatest mentors was a fellow in the from the Green Party mm-hmm. and he was uh, integral in trying to call out bullshit within systemic oppression and he, a major person in the activist community. Um, really, he helped mentor me when we had to go when we all went through Occupy. It was really a cool time mm-hmm. because for the first time, all the activists came together and we were like put down our differences to just talk about okay the capitalist system sucks mm-hmm. right and unfortunately it didn't it became what it became but you know here we are and, he, and one of the positive things was having that mentorship from other people who already are you know mm-hmm. been in the trenches so yeah. yeah i think it's important i think it mentorship is. is vital it is it's much like parenting in a in a in an open actual honest way right like right? it's the kind of vitality that we're going to need to carry us through yeah exactly because yeah so i mean it's just necessary it is necessary and you know helping to elevate other people's voices like Mm -hmm. for me i talk about missing and murdered indigenous women girls and uh, two-spirit but nobody can explain a two-spirit experience better than somebody who's Mm two-spirit right so and our two-spirit speakers are getting a little overwhelmed with requests Mm -hmm. so there are lots of other people out there like mm-hmm. there's it's not there's no shortage <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know sure. and i think that's part of the other problem is that we always go to certain people yeah and uh, some people kind of get lost in the in the system so mm. 
yeah, it's it's ongoing and it's the most thankless job you'll ever have. Nobody will recognize it. Um, even the policies that passed, I got them framed and I put them up on the wall, which was a good thing because the Liberal Party's taken them offline. So there's no really? proof of it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it, it's hard because it's like, yeah, you you can make these changes. And the other day I was looking for something and I came across the minutes from Man Meets, uh, you know, changes for midwifery and it's like if i didn't have this in my face i probably wouldn't even believe we did this together you know so it's pretty thankless so you know take your pictures and make sure you were there but the other thing is though is that your example will inspire other people Mm -hmm. so like if you are taking a picture with elizabeth may Mm -hmm. you'd be surprised to find out look at my daughter was this small and now she's this big and Elizabeth May hasn't changed height, but my daughter has. And you may have like all these pictures that you're mm-hmm. surprised to have. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm grateful for a lot of those things and conversations that really challenged me and made me think bigger, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of world perspectives. I mean, yeah. I've been lucky. I have my, my stepmom is from Austria. Um, first okay. generation Calgarian, super yeah. proud. My auntie's from China. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'd like to think I have a world perspective but i i i mean i hear from other people who actually travel and <laughs> yeah. you know it's like man sometimes we get really insular in our thinking yes, right so, so and we have to remember that that there's a bigger picture out yeah. there and it's good to get inspiration from other movies other documentaries mm-hmm. other people's experiences oh, yeah. to remind you you know yeah. where you're at and then hear like a pam rocker tell yeah. her story so that that way you remember okay and then other stories like addiction stories, mm-hmm. you know, homeless stories, the longest night of the year is coming up on the 21st, yeah. you know, like really put it in perspective of your privilege sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Always check that. Always try to be humble in the sense that, man, I don't know nothing. Mm-hmm. And if you think you know everything, then you're in big trouble. Yeah. And that even I, you know, worry about <sighs> pan so indigenizing, right? Like there's so many things I worry about. And if you're not worrying about those things, then you're really not helping anyone. Yeah. I think. That's <laughs> mm-hmm. so, no, fair. Yeah. Because if it's not on the table as far as being like cognizant of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah. how else are you going to do anything? Totally. And we yeah. have to keep it on the table. <sighs> so yeah, it's yeah. it's a responsibility. But it's like I have a little girl to keep me accountable. Mm-hmm. And I I don't care about media. I don't care about anybody else. The only thing I care about is that, you know, if I go to bed at night, did I do better f- by her and her generation and the next generation? Because mm-hmm. if I didn't, th- they keep me accountable because otherwise they won't exist. Yeah. Like it's such a, yeah, I got to be honest. Like it's such a different perspective from the colonial perspective of parenting, right? Because I mean, I don't know if this is like, I'm not painting a broad brush, yeah. but it, it often seems like when I have conversations with folks who are not from a clone, from a clone colonized area yeah. Yeah. or indigenous yep. individuals from different parts of the world. Yeah. Like it, um, see my brain just did that thing, man. It just farted right out there. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully you can like clean this up. This happens but- to me all the time. You know what? That that <laughs> happens to me too though yeah. and that I think it's really important to talk about trauma yeah. and how it affects our 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 brain chemistry mm-hmm. and our thinking cuz I suffer from that. Yeah. And um you know I always was trying to find solutions yeah. and and that but it's like ultimately just recognizing 
this is the way my brain works mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it is okay for sure yep. it is, right? I make a joke out of it because yep. I'm like, yeah, there it again. Yep. <laughs> right? Yep. Yeah. And yep. you're right. It, it does. There is a direct correlation um, to trauma. Totally. Right? And stress, like yeah. stress itself is its own trauma. But yeah. like for me, if I'm too stressed out, I forget everything, Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, and my house is a direct reflection of that. I'm actually looking forward to the next little while, mm-hmm. my contract ending, just so that I can focus on my house, mm. focus on yeah. finding peace again, getting yeah. things where they're supposed to be. You take your time, you sort things out. Mm-hmm. I need to do that. Yeah. And that's good. Yeah, so. 100% necessary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wish I could remember the question I was going to ask. It was, I think it was about parenting and Indigenous parenting perspective oh. about next generation and accountability. Yeah, thank you very much. You're yeah. welcome. Oh, my God. Thank God she's got a good brain. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's on. It's only because I have a nice tea here keeping okay, me like, right okay, on. I'm comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was about like the, col- the colonized parents versus Indigenous or other culture parents, right? Where, yeah. Um, and it's not just our colony but other colonies too have their own version of it right where it's like the parents direct the children to be more like them Mm. they just want to perpetuate their own image right Mm -hmm. and and so and i'm not saying that about my parents because that's not what they did yeah but my parents are not the rule my parents are kind of anomalous right like when it comes to that and uh but most of the time when i work with well, I would just say colonized humans, right? Yeah. Like if we're working together and it is this identity crisis, right? Because we're told to be something that we might not be able to be. Totally. Right? Instead of having the freedom to become who creator wanted us to be. Yep. Right? And I can I can almost say with, I'll say about 98% certainty yeah. that 98% of the people I work with, identity comes into play. Huge. Yeah. Yep. It's such a, a constant and connected theme of humans that again, it answers to why maybe we're more depressed, why we're more anxious, why we're more uh, medicated, right? Is because we're trying to fit our brains into a system that makes no sense. Totally. Right. So what do you have to do to do that? I uh, got to dumb it down. A hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Um, on June 21st is indigenous awareness day, Okay. but the day before is, uh, world refugee day. Oh, yeah. And it's interesting that like a lot of refugees come from places that were colonized and war torn and then they were, you know, displaced into Mm -hmm. somebody somewhere other place. And like here in Canada, obviously we have lots of refugees Mm -hmm. and um, that's the interesting component is that whether you're you know, maybe a newer immigrant Mm -hmm. or a first generation Calgarian or Canadian and, you know, a refugee you're you're coming from such different life experience and different land and a different culture into a new culture. Mm-hmm. It's so traumatizing. That's its own trauma. Oh. And then to take indigenous people and force like so many governmental policies have been imposed mm-hmm. upon us. And then to, you know, take them out of their um, homes and communities and mm-hmm. put them like in the case of Thunder Bay, like into a, a town that they're completely unfamiliar with. That's its own trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many traumas that we never really acknowledge. Yeah. So, you know, uh, people, they don't feel like they're Canadian, mm-hmm. but if they go back to India, they don't feel like they're from India either. Mm-hmm. Like they don't fit. They're in like a weird, um, 
identity issue. Yeah, yeah. They're not Canadian, but they're not Indian. Yeah. So when they're in Canada, they're not Canadian enough. But when they're in India, they're, they're too Indian Western. Enough. Yeah. Right. So and and same thing. No matter where you're from, from the world, like it's just you don't fit here. Yeah. Because I don't know if people are meant to have that and that's the irony if we would realize that the thing that actually unites us is our collective identity of trauma and displacement then we'd all be like hey we have this as a commonality but that would be focusing on something that people are uncomfortable and are Mm not prepared for yet like those hard truths we're not ready there and i don't know why i wish we were because i think it would really help us just move forward yeah agreed though (laughs) yeah right like yeah i think like is this is something I've noticed, and you guys correct me if I if you think I'm off base because I can be. Um, but in the media, I've noticed that. Oh, brain, I love you, brain, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> I, now, what we're talking about now? Yeah. So we're just kind of trying to talk about how we're displaced and yes. how it affects us, and then the media they play this huge role in trying to tell us who we are supposed to be, mm-hmm. but maybe we're not and then yeah and well and what i was thinking was that every time it seems like we're getting closer with something like some kind of positive change like or a move forward it seems like there's an instant reaction by the media to play something fear-mongering mm. right and yeah. somehow maybe subtly related to the topic that there's almost progress in right right and then somebody will come out on the media and say oh now it's china China's our enemy now, yeah. right? That's our yep. enemy. All of a sudden, I mean, really? Do we need more enemies? Right. What we need to do is like actually follow through on some of this shit that you're talking about and that is necessary, right? Yeah. Instead of just turning our eyes again back to the screen yep. and saying, oh no, the North Koreans are going to nuke us. The mm-hmm. Chinese are going to nuke us. And the truth is, there's a reason why the nuclear arms race is dead. Yeah. Is because no one is going to nuke anyone. No. Not in our, I don't believe so. That's why it hasn't happened. Yeah. Well, I say it hasn't happened. How stupid is that? Right? Yeah, I'm sorry, Hiroshima. Like, uh, it, it has happened. Yeah. And I think the whole world saw the outcome of that. Yeah. And said, we will not do that to humans. Yeah. Right? Now, obviously, there are some people who are less than stable out there. Yeah. That may, in fact, launch some of these weapons. <sighs> yeah. But what is the likelihood? Right? But what is the likelihood we need change in terms of our system versus the likelihood of being nuked? Mm -hmm. Right? The change is obviously more likely, but we keep going back to this fear. Yep. And as long as we keep going back to fear, the only thing that breeds is hate. Yep. Right? And I believe that's part of why we have so much hate. Yep. You know, and contempt for each other is because we're just afraid. You know, and maybe I should bring that up too how hard it is to really recognize who's not going to ever change. They're never going to love you enough. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, they'll always put you into a stereotype. And um, I was talking earlier about the angry Indian. Mm -hmm. I've get really, you know, put into a box, the Mm -hmm. angry Indian. And um, Thomas King actually really unpacked that in the inconvenient Indian. He he has a book, but I'm pretty sure you could Google that just that one art. They, They took this like section out of the book and it, that's what prompted me to read the book because mm. I knew that one thing really 
resonated with me when people call me angry. Yeah. It's like, I don't know many people who shouldn't be angry yeah. about the injustices. It's like, you should be angry yeah. about that. And if you legitimately care about human rights, like, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't being soft-spoken mm-hmm. that stopped the Holocaust. Yeah. Like, it wasn't. Yeah. There no, were angry people in, and... in parliaments and in, yeah. in the House of Congress talking about this is happening. Mm-hmm. And now we're doing an apology for sending Jews back. You know, some were killed because of that and and we we need to recognize our responsibility in that Mm -hmm. and somebody in the house of parliament somebody should be you know screaming this has Mm -hmm. to stop now and making that impassioned speech that says okay we as people all agree that this is wrong yeah you know and just because i'm not lucky enough to have you know won a federal election Mm -hmm. to sit in that seat and been in the good books of a party enough to have that moment to speak Mm -hmm. You know, like that's, there's a lot in order for a person to have that moment. Yeah. A lot. And you have to sacrifice a lot for that. Oh, you know, most people's marriages don't even yeah. make it in politics. Yeah. It, that's a really hard sacrifice. Like I'll have a lot of, um, I've been asked to lead the Green Party. I've been asked to run for the NDP mm-hmm. and, um, and the Liberal Party uh, at the provincial level. And with all of that, I had to say no because yeah. I'm the first generation to be able to raise her daughter without government interference. Yeah. Well. Really? Yeah. Jesus. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it had nothing to do with Jesus. I was just saying that. No, but yeah, I know what you meant. I yeah. just like, this is the reality that indigenous people are facing that, you know, when they talk about barriers that indigenous face that non-indigenous yeah. don't. <laughs> How many people are always worried about child apprehension? How many people are worried about, um, you know, being on an eco-terrorist mm-hmm. list? Yeah, right? This is, these are, this is my lifetime and my, actually my daughter's lifetime, frankly. And I wanted to point that out to you yeah. before you move on about the fact that you guys were under surveillance and this is Canada. Mm-hmm. This isn't the U.S. This isn't Mexico. This isn't somewhere in the European Union, whatever That's you want right. to call it. That's right. This is Canada. This is Canada. Yeah. This is now. And, uh, you know, this is my reality. Mm-hmm. My reality is different than other people. And I, I spoke out against C-51 even as a liberal um, and talked about <laughs> talked about it in the Herald, talked about it. Uh, APTN gave me a, a small snippet. I can't find mm-hmm. it. But there's always an opportunity to talk about injustices. Yeah. And even if that means sometimes you don't toe the party line. Um, I, and I find that's the power of the Indigenous Peoples Commission mm-hmm. is that we have the right to talk about an Indigenous perspective on governmental policies mm-hmm. that the other, you know, people in the party don't necessarily have. And I will never forget that moment that Justin Trudeau came into the room and told all of us on the commission that, you know, you will never have to choose between being indigenous and being a liberal. Mm. And it's a good thing because he said that because I can't, I would never, um, you know, I would, if I have to stand in front of a cop to be with my people, I will. Mm. And unfortunately I know it'll be the government that put that situation there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it doesn't make me less liberal. No. I just, I am who I am. Yeah. It's just unfortunate the way colonial politics works. Um, and we're seeing that like provincially with Robin Luff. Mm. Um, she's my MLA and, you know, it it is bullying ultimately. That's what colonial politics is. And so if you don't play the bully game right, you're not going to. Not going to make it. You're not going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. But 
you know, sure. I have an abusive relationship with my country. So, mm-hmm. yeah, well, no doubt. <laughs> so I know right? how to play this game. Yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah. because you've built up resiliency because of that abusive right. relationship, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. So when you, when you can name it and, and when, when you can name it, you feel peace mm-hmm. and that's how, you know, you've found the right words and yeah. that this is what, how it's going to work right now. And then the, when you're out in community, you'll hear, you know, an elder speak and, and give you a new perspective or mm-hmm. a new idea that helps feel you even more at peace with that. Yeah. Right. And I have, I've had a, been really lucky to have a Dene elder. And he said to me that, you know, Michelle, when aim was first happening, like we were transitioning into English. We couldn't even find the English words to say. We just knew we were, if what the government was doing to us was wrong. We mm-hmm. knew that there was injustice, but we couldn't always articulate it. He said, your generation and the way you talk, mm-hmm. you have no idea. You just give us so much pride. You know, mm-hmm. he knew, they knew that what was happening was wrong and they they started a movement and, yeah. you know, right or wrongs. I mean, we all make mistakes. I'm certainly not perfect. Yeah. Um, Oh, I'm so not perfect. I've made so many mistakes. Oh, none of us are. Right? Yeah. But I'm, it's really great to hear it from an elder to be like, we made mistakes too. Of course. And yeah. we couldn't find the words to really articulate what was happening to us at the mm-hmm. time. And they're, they're a product of their time as well. Of right? Course. So it's just, it's been, I've been mentored as much as I would mentor anybody mm-hmm. else. And that's why I hope that anybody who ever has questions about politics or you know, indigenous issues that they can't quite put their finger on that they reach out and, you know, within the party, I've been in the party since 2011 trying to do indigenous teaching and it's just in one ear and out the other with some and Mm. other people, it resonates deeply. Yeah. So you just work with what you got Yeah. and having, yeah, having a leader talking about it has been a huge switch. Let me tell you, it's the first prime minister to really recognize indigenous while in power. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's genuine? Oh, from him? yeah. It's yeah. totally genuine. Because I don't get that impression, but that's because I'm not involved in that. So. And media is so great at manipulating. Yeah. Um, another organization I've been associated with is Voices. Mm-hmm. Voices talks about the um, issues of being racialized in the LGBTQ2 community. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of racism within the community. You'd be shocked to find that out, but it is a truth. Actually, I don't know if I'd be shocked because I've I've yeah. been involved in lots of different subgroups and there's yeah. always like internal issues with those subgroups unless they're very um, plain and they have guidelines and stuff. There yeah. usually is like quite a bit of infighting. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the f- folk that joined with us she was a former uh, black person who worked with the Harper government. Mm-hmm. And here I am, an indigenous woman working with the liberal Trudeau government. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, the incredible similarities we've had with uh, media manipulation of mm-hmm. making our leaders look awful, yeah. um, you know, just to make a news story. And, um, and that's been really humbling for me too, to hear mm-hmm. it from her perspective. But then also with my work with Save Prince of Peace to meet all of these conservatives that like they are just in another world than me and I have to humble myself to be kind and speak their language and try to find commonalities so that we can find solutions. Yeah. It's been pretty humbling. Yeah. 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 No doubt. Yep. So yeah. yeah. So there's one more question about what well, if you could say anything to the kids out there, mm-hmm. like indigenous or otherwise. Yeah. Um what would you say? What would you tell them? 
Well, first of all, especially to indigenous, mm -hmm. the only reason why you're here is because of the hard work of our ancestors. Mm -hmm. And I say that with incredible humility and my mother, mm -hmm. my grandmother and my, my families before that. Mm -hmm. Um, and because of that, the resiliency is in your blood. Mm -hmm. So is the positive um, language and culture and tradition. It's in mm -hmm. your blood. It's not your fault that you were displaced from your families and from your culture and your government did this to you. Mm -hmm. um, and the only way to undo this so that it doesn't happen again is we have to work with the like somehow work against the government or with the government yeah. to create that change. So like the extreme activists that will never join a political party, deepest respects, keep mm -hmm. going. Yeah. We have to fight this at all levels with yep. different pressures from all levels. Yep. And I would never take away the hard work that, you know, any grassroots person does. Um, even in nonprofit, there are people who do good work of talking to the right people. Mm -hmm. It might be written in policy, it might get shelved, but at least it was said. Yeah, You know, and I'm a believer that no matter who you are, you know, you have to be told something seven times before you remember it. So if it's said one time and by nonprofit, if it's said in the media, if it's said at the Liberal Party, if it's said in the Green Party, before you know it, it's like, okay, this is a thing, yeah. you know, and it'll start resonating with a lot of people. Yeah. So we just have to get that message out in all these different ways, all these different mediums, all these different mm -hmm. pressures. And that for like, especially the kids, you know, don't ever give up ever, yeah. ever. You're, there's somebody somewhere who loves you, who wants to help you mm -hmm. and, and positive love. It's, yeah. um, sometimes it's hard when you get unhealthy love to think that you're worthy and you are. You're 100% worthy. And the irony is, is that um, your ideas are probably smarter than mine. Mm -hmm. And I need to hear your ideas and I want to listen to them, validate them and get them policy because mm -hmm. you think quicker than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the reflexes. Yep. Yeah. Yep, they do. And and they don't, I don't know, a lot of the youth I've found have no, they, they don't, they see discrimination immediately and have no time for it. Yeah. Like, you know, like that kid who was at the, the climate change and said, you politicians failed us, yeah. but we're coming. You know, yeah. my daughter, she's mad. She can't vote now. Mm -hmm. You know, the, why do we have age restrictions on kids? These are really important questions. Why aren't we allowing kids to vote? It's a, it's more, I think it's just more oppression. Right. Really. It's more like if you, if you make them wait till they're 18, they're almost too indoctrinated. Right. Right. So they've already formed up like these really kind of absurd ideas. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I just, yeah, I think that they're. That's my opinion. They are, they're more brilliant than I am. Mm -hmm. And I learn from them every day and they inspire me every day yeah. and they keep me accountable. Yeah. So that's my message. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Because I, I was thinking of this and it just popped back into my head about every once in a while I'll see this like, uh, it's probably just a meme. I don't know what to call it because I'm not sure. internet savvy. Yeah. But it, it looks like a meme to me. But it, lately, the last couple of years, it's been about the generational differences. So there's like, it'll show a picture of like 18 year olds in 1942. Oh, yeah. So they're all in World War II, right? Right. Because obviously all of North America was involved in World War II. Every war aged male was obviously the same, right? In, in 1942. This kind of stuff, like, it bothers me because yep. it's like, it's so, well, it's so generalized and stupid Yeah. because then it has a picture of 18 year olds today and says, what's the problem here? 
I'll tell you what the problem is, is that back in 1942, we used to make people go to war. Yeah. That's the fucking problem. Yeah. I don't see it as a problem now Mm -hmm. that kids don't have to go to war. Right. How is that a problem? No. (laughs) Right. How is it a problem that we give kids an, an opportunity to talk and, and actually experience things beyond war, buy a car and a house, get pregnant and, and do the right thing, right? Work at a bank or whatever the hell. I don't even mm-hmm. know what to tell kids anymore. Right. Um, probably because you can't tell them anymore. Right. And that probably pisses off a lot of old people. Yeah. Right. That we can't tell kids what to do anymore. We, we can't because we can't limit their information. Nope. Right. So um, I, I'm sorry for like going off on another rant here, but no. I just, I love, I've been loving sitting with you. So yeah, good. Um, I just think that it's, it, uh, yeah, that, that picture that this has bugged me and I haven't said a word about it, Yep. but the picture of the, of the soldiers and the picture of our kids today, what that tells me is that there's people who actually think these kids would be better off going to fucking war. Yeah. And dying. Right. Yep. And I, I can't like get it out of my head because I've always, like our family goes back generations of, of soldiers, mm. whether it be Canadian or wherever. Right. right. Um, and I, I was raised with my dad counseling guys coming back from Vietnam and because we were down in the States when in 74, after the war, the uh, people were coming back. And of course, devastated human beings broken yeah broken human beings right and and so i learned a deep love for them from my dad working with them mm-hmm. and hearing my dad how he would talk about some of the experiences and the pain they suffer with and and then i i learned as we get older we do we learn from other people who maybe had dads in world war ii yeah right so you see this meme and of course we're a quick click society judge. Yeah. nothing yeah we judge it right away yeah but then you start talking to people whose fathers were in, in World War II and they came back with morphine addictions, right? And they came back and they died from the morphine addictions. But we don't hear anything about it. Nope. No, instead we use this picture of these four young 18-year-old soldiers who were obviously okay to let burn. Yeah. Right? Because we're actually trying to encourage these four kids over here to go sign up and burn. Yeah. Right? Like I, I just... It, it boggles my mind, I got to tell you. And, I, and I'm and i one of the ignorant ones. Yeah. I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. Like I fight my own ignorance every day sometimes. Me too, yeah. Right? Because it's it's essential to fight it. I don't want to be ignorant. And no. it's not okay. I know. And it's not okay for me to talk to children Sam's age or any age and say, one day you're going to have to go to war. Right. Because we can't figure out a better way to get our heads out of our asses. So you have to go to war (laughs) because my head's up my ass in the dark. Yep. So please go kill some people so I can pull my head out. Right. Like, I just think it's absurd. It is absurd. No, I, the idea that we have to raise guns to other human beings, like to other indigenous people. That's insane to me. It's like we, to, I don't know who thought this was a great idea. We're totally going to do this, you know? And when you look back on the history and it's like, so this was really like a queen or a king had a little spat and all of their little soldiers had to die because they have an ego issue. Well, that's really no different today. Not at all. And you know, it's an ego. It's ego and it's about greed. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. I have no time for that, but I see like, the strongest things I see is a black woman, you know, 
standing up against SWAT team mm -hmm. or an indigenous woman with a f eagle feather in her hand mm -hmm. standing up against the SWAT team. Yeah. You know, this is my reality today. This is the war yeah. and this is on my land. This isn't even mm -hmm. overseas. And um, it gives me great strength. I know mm -hmm. that we're a resilient group and I know that it will be yeah. the, that for the next generation because they just ain't got no time for discrimination. Yeah. They just ain't got time for that. <laughs> and, that's, and that's a hope for me, honestly, yeah. is, in the, is in the next following generations because I realize how like my generation is in the middle. Right? Yep. So we're we're kind of like uh, how old are you? Forty one. I know I wouldn't yeah, wouldn't ask age. a woman normally, but yeah. we're about the same age. Yeah, because so. you were saying forty four. Yeah, yeah. So we're about the same yeah. age and same experiences. So yeah. we're kind of in the middle, right? We're, yeah, we're like we got half of I don't know about you, but for me, like I got part of my brain is back when my dad was a teenager. Yeah, for just this is there, like it kind of came from my dad, I guess. Mm -hmm. Where it's like I just as soon slap a dude in the head as opposed to have a conversation. Yeah. But trying to fight against those thoughts is be, it's because I know it's wrong. Yeah. Like it's not, I'm not doing it just because I don't want to get hurt. I don't mind being hurt. I've been hurt many times. Yeah. I always bounce back. Yeah. I'm still here. We're here. Yeah. It's not that it's, it's not necessary. Yep. So I don't want to do that. Yep. You know, mm -hmm. and just like, I don't want to send young people to war anymore. No, no, like I don't it, think anyone should ever have to go to war. I don't know why we have to keep doing that. Right. I know. Yeah. So yeah. thank God, Samantha, you guys, I bet you, maybe, maybe not you, maybe your grandkids, but you're going to help you, like your mom, your dad, you, and then you're going to help others become more enlightened and woke as your mom said, right? So that they can be woke from the time they're born too. Yeah. You know, so it's important. Yeah. Right. And I think that's why I've always enjoyed having Samantha here Yeah. is because it's important for not just because you guys aren't a family where you're both addicted, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So what happens when she grows up and doesn't have the information that I didn't have? Right. Right. Because, well, I tell you what's going to happen is she'll do potentially what I did and walk around in circles and flounder and lots of us die Yeah. that way yep. just because the voice isn't out there. I know. I get really upset about the addiction conversation yeah. and I've lost a lot of friends and, uh, Actually, my uh, uncle, he's been one of my biggest examples mm -hmm. of um, getting through addiction, um, yeah. you know, his sober anniversary, uh, things like that. And, you know, it's funny, I can always tell when I when I say, oh, this is my uncle and I'll say his name and and they'll go, oh, and I'll be like, oh, did you know he's been sober, you know, 28 years? And they'll go, oh. I can tell by the reaction of, yeah. they're like, oh, I know him. Yeah. yeah, he's a great guy, blah, blah, blah. I'm not, they've only known him post-sober. Yeah. Right? Like, I can yeah. tell that. And uh, That's interesting, eh? Right? Yeah. So, it, it, he's been my biggest example of, like, that uh, sober lifestyle. But, yeah. you know, it, because I'm, in, I'm native, like, addiction is such a rampant issue with intergenerational mm -hmm. trauma because there's no services. And yet, here we are with these stigmas, these stereotypes. Mm -hmm. So I actually have a real duty to not be really seen in a lot of pictures with drinks anymore yeah. because I want to set that example to other people that you can live a drug-free yeah. uh, life, right? Um, there being irony, being a liberal promoting cannabis, but that's a different <laughs> conversation in my opinion. But it's a totally different chemical, yeah. It, it is. And, yeah. and actually I would argue that it would help 
um, people who have addictions to serious drugs, mm-hmm. it actually does help um, wean off of those drugs. Totally. So it is a, a tool to utilize in trying to get off the hard stuff. Yep. So, it's you know, if it can save life, yep. I will absolutely legalize, right? I'm big yep. on on uh, harm reduction. And that's actually kind of my feeling about being a liberal in Mm -hmm. the Canadian government. It's like, okay, this is a harm reduction technique of trying to, (laughs) you know, stop a bad policy or have a voice at the table. It's a harm reduction technology or uh, strategy. So (laughs) I can appreciate that. Yeah. And and you mentioned this and I'll, I'll, we'll try to wrap it up, man. I know it's probably two and a half hours. (laughs) I was two hours with Darcy, two and a half with Michelle. It's all good. Um, uh, shit. (laughs) Again, I don't know why I do it. Yeah. You can block that out, can't you? You're like, this is where Dave's brain went sleepy sleep. <laughs> All of a sudden, Dave went. <laughs> um, I can't remember what I was going to say again. This is like the third time. Um, did I mention it's been a long couple of days? Yeah. You know, and that's days. that's stress. Like, that's yeah. your body saying, let's relax. Yeah, because it's happened more in this conversation. than yeah. And, and I'm, it's not for any reason. It's just... Probably fatigue, I think, is what it is. Fatigue, it's Christmas. Yeah. And I think that the holidays really bring a lot of stress because we oh, do yeah. things out of the ordinary, like yeah. have the feasts, have, um, mm. you know, celebrations that we don't normally have yeah. on top of maybe trying to buy some cards or mm. whichever. Of course, now has to be the time I'm going through a campaign of trying to save my daughter's school. Yeah. So the Christmas has just been like, I know it's important. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, well, it's important, but why is it important, mm. right? Like, and I mean, we could talk about that all night, probably. That's a new yeah. another conversation. We need to have part B. Yeah, we will. <laughs> We're gonna do it in the new year if you that want. That sounds good. Yeah, I'd love that. I, I, I would. I'd love to continue this. Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm honored. I'm really honored to wow. be here. So thank you for doing what you do because I get to hear through Darcy mm-hmm. or or through like being present and watching Pam. Yeah. I get to get re-inspired mm-hmm. by other people's struggles and 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 be humbled yeah. about you know where where I am in life mm-hmm. and and what I should be striving and working towards yeah. and trying to include all voices, right? Yeah, so, and that's yeah. that's it. All voices, and that that was really I think it's probably what I said to Heather the first time when I mentioned a podcast was I want people's voices to be heard who wouldn't be heard. Yeah. Right. Cause even I, I still get asked, like, are you going to have like doctor specific and talk about this? I'm like, yeah, if I find some that are interesting mm-hmm. because the, I'm sick of the same old bullshit. Right. So I'm sick of hearing from a doctor who's talking for a hospital. Yep. I'm sick of it. Yep. I'm sick of hearing for a, an executive director who's talking for an organization that frankly, you're just giving me the same crap you put on TV. Well, and when I started talking about um, missing and murdered Indigenous women, mm-hmm. um, it was my, one of my mentors again, mm-hmm. the executive director of Aoutan Healing Lodge, yeah. like, you know, really teaching me about not just trauma-informed care, but mm-hmm. also um, there's this concept called OPEC, and it's mm-hmm. um, Indigenous health like uh, principles that you yeah. you strive by. So, you know, ownership possession control and access because what would happen is that an indigenous you know maybe tribe would would share an issue Mm -hmm. but because if you have a colonial lens you twist it and turn it the way you want to make Mm -hmm. somebody look savage or inferior as opposed to if it's coming from a place of strength and resilience Mm -hmm. and indigenous are in control indigenous decide who has access to that information and indigenous decide um these principles that you know it's it's um a health study based on equality mm-hmm. as opposed to inferiority 
which is usually done to us. Yeah. We've been studied by yeah. people who assume we're inferior. So OCAP. Isn't that bullshit? Right? Yeah. So like I've learned so much about just the lens of looking at people. So I question experts all the time. Mm -hmm. Are they trauma-informed? If they're talking about Indigenous yeah. issues, are they even an Indigenous? And if they're not yeah. Indigenous, do they know what OCAP is? And mm -hmm. if they don't know, you know, it's like, these are, your opinion matters nothing to me. Yeah. I know it. Yeah. Right? So that, and that's why I have to be at the table to talk about mm -hmm. policy. Um, the Sustainable Development Goals through the United Nations, mm -hmm. Engineers Without Borders here in Calgary talks a lot about that. But I always say, if you guys should just follow the United Nations Declaration on Rights of Indigenous People, you would meet all your um, sustainable goals, mm -hmm. but you would have to include Indigenous people and yeah. let them control the direction, and you would lose control. And that's why you want to use UN, you know, Sustainable Development well, Goals instead of UNDRIP. Yeah. And I know that it's a control issue. Yeah. So to me, I, and I'll say this until I die, yeah. that the sustainable goals that they have, development goals, are, mm. are whitewashed under it. Yeah. People unwilling to give indigenous control. Yeah. 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 So there's no question about it. It's about control. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. So, it's what domestic violence is about. It's what control. Yeah. yeah. It's all about power and control. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. I'm honored. Thank yeah. you. Cool. It's me. been so much fun. Right on. Cool. Thank oh. you. Thanks. We would like to remind you that the opinions shared are those of the individuals and not representative of Freedom's Path Recovery Society or any other affiliation we may share with organizations or individuals. Thank you, Wild Rose United Church, for your open-hearted giving of, to the community at large in a multitude of ways. You have graciously provided space and love for us to work within, and we cannot thank the staff, volunteers, and members of the church enough for all that they do each and every day. Thank you again, Darcy Robinson. As usual, your work is incredible. Thanks for donating it to us. I am not here without each of our board of directors, Trent Baker, Todd Deer, Christine Pimiskern, Heather Morigeau, Wayne Lurie, and John James. To all of the individuals who graciously donate their money and time to helping Freedom's Path become a society and now a charity, thank you. Who is Freedom's Path? We work directly with individuals and families struggling and suffering from, with addiction of all types, mental illness, codependency, and a multitude of difficulties humans bring forward as they attempt to make life-altering changes. If you are interested in attending our upcoming or future groups, being a guest on the podcast, or looking to make a donation or help in some other way, please contact us through our website, www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca or find us on Facebook at Freedom's Path Recovery Society. If you are close to giving up, regardless of what your difficulty might be, please reach out to someone. You can always give up tomorrow, or maybe you won't have to. To anyone listening, imagine that your voice might be the only one someone hears inside their darkness. What is it you would like to say? As for me, I'm David Lurie, and I wish you all the best, wherever you are. Be safe and try to have some fun, because our time here is quite limited after all.